folks to another Crash Chords podcast. Of course, I'm Matt. I'm John. I'm Steve. And we have a special guest this week. Our guest for this month is the one and only Katie Delaney. Hey-o. Hooray. Hello. If you go to our um, bio page and you check out my mug on my bio, it's not actually a real picture of me. It's an animated photo what? of me. You don't look like that? No. Well, well sort of. He kind of does. I kind of do. do. Very two-dimensional. Um, which Katie drew, which I love and so I use anywhere I can. Um, she's no an illustrator, <laughs> bartender, VO artist, pain in the ass, yep. uh, cosplayer, yep. lizard person, though unproven, and many other things. Anything. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Nice to be here. Um, I'm excited to have you on. Of course, I've known you for ages, and we always talk music, so it was exciting to, to be able to bring you on the show. I'm a little bummed there's no new MSI album at the time of this yeah. podcast, since that's the band we talk about the most. Um, they actually came up during our Donker Mag review, because there were some songs where Ninja reminded me of Jimmy Urine, which I explained to Nasty Canasta and these two, and got blank stares. I know, no, no, it wasn't so <laughs> blank for me, I was just not enthused about your explanation itself. Steve didn't know who I was talking about. Yeah, no, I he, fully yeah. confess it. What's yeah, MSI? Fun. Just out of curiosity, Steve. I don't know, Master Sergeant's... Invincible? Yeah, yeah, invincible. There you go. Good enough. We'll Close go enough. So I'm actually, if I, if I had known, then I would have probably brought their most recent album on. Well, then. it would have been too old, though, because yeah. that came out more than two years ago. We have like a two-year... Oh, There's a buffer. Yeah, I wasn't buffer. sure, which is why I brought new stuff, so I wasn't... And we'll get to that in a bit. Um, Regardless. I wanted to spend a little time talking about your illustrations. Obviously, you've done commission work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, we'll get new logos for the podcast. Someday. <laughs> I was gonna 20 that years from now. I was going to bring it up with much less tact, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, that's why <laughs> H, I did where's it. where's my cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, how long have you been uh, drawing for? Uh, since I could hold a pen. Um, oh, I know, too long, too long. Uh, No, yeah, drawing has always kind of been the thing that I did. It's always been my, like, the quiet kid in the corner who's drawing. It's pretty much the only way that I made friends for 90% of my life of the, oh, good, draw me. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And it's like, we're friends now, and skip off into the sunset. It's a good gig. It's a pretty good gig. It's a a great way to make up for lacking personality. Just supplant with art. Did the um, personality grow with the quality of the picture? Out of curiosity. Uh, usually the other way around is the the shittier the oh. the, the drawing, the more I had to. Oh, oh God, I, I guess I'm a person. I make up for it, and there's tap dancing and singing. Um, it's nice, actually. But uh, but yeah, game. it was it was a thing that I I always loved doing, and then um, through some rather so through some discouragement from adults in my life, it was a thing I chose not to pursue, uh, which is funny because I tend to make a decent amount of money of it off it on the sidelines of my life but yeah. it's interesting to me and do you attribute your style because you kind of have a style for most of the kind of the the very main broad drawings you do have a certain kind of style a cartoony feel that all feel a little fam- similar do you base that on anything is there influences growing up that of other animators that you liked that you kind of base it on or influenced by uh directly right now there's nothing that i pull 
directly from, I would say. Um, I mean, basically, a lot of stylistic choices started off in, you know, a weeaboo stage, because who didn't? <laughs> um, and so, I mean, all of, all of the middle school, high school stuff was, you know... You pulled from Dragon Ball Z, and then you realize that's not how bodies work, and then uh, do a lot <laughs> of drawing true. from life. So pretty much it was, by the time I got into college, a lot of it was following people around and watching people and seeing how they moved and drawing people while I was waiting in between classes, and then eventually, after moving into New York City, deciding of like, oh, well, you know, I can just sit in parks and be weird and draw <laughs> people in parks. Well, it's not uh, weird here. It's not at all. Come on. Not as weird. It's usually easier with the zoos. So actually, I, do, I used to do a lot of drawing of, that was my, I'd work six days in a row, and then the seventh day would always be, I'd go and draw animals in the zoo because they don't watch you draw them on the subway. <laughs> <laughs> well, because if those well, animals yeah. were on the subway, there'd yeah, be the, more problems. When, when you see a tapir on the subway, you probably run. <laughs> probably not a good, good Specifically thing. a tapir. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's They're that's elephant true. bears with like hoofs. They're fucking awesome. I don't know. They're my favorite animal to draw. Um, I'm sorry I laugh about the uh, weeaboo stage, by the way, only because I noticed that during the stage where everyone is in the weeaboo thing, they draw in this kind of homogenized way, but only for a short span of time before they finally burst out into their own completely unique style mm -hmm. by the time they're like 18, 19. So it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a more backtrodden laughter. It's but, back but, from the time. Because you know exactly what it yeah, is. Like the exactly. moment you say it, everybody's like, oh yeah, that was right when I started watching Naruto, or yeah, like, yeah. oh, I was watching a lot of Roni Kenshin yeah. then. Like, it's like, you're so unique. Yeah. Oh yeah, wow, I was reading Fushigi Yugi then? That's great. That's good me. Yeah, oof, person. Whole person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now nobody watches Dragon Ball Z or any of those others. I've heard the new one is really good. My Actually, friend has aggressively been getting trying to get me to watch it. it. The uh, abridged version is phenomenal. Oh, DBZ abridges. I've yes. not watched it, but that's I heard it's fantastic. That's Team Four Star. You would just poop the whole time. I was. Right. That's a lot of poop. Yeah, there was, <laughs> just saying. It's it's. Well, it's we sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm really classing up the joint this well, night. You mean, brought me on the show. You knew it would happen. That's a fair point. Um, <laughs> my next follow-up question is: um, obviously, I first met you at the way station, mm -hmm. which is where you bartended for a very long time. Though you are yep. no longer there now. Um, how long have you been bartending for? Is that something that you've kind of always wanted to do or you just um, kind of discovered it in college? I really, really hated waiting tables a lot because waiting tables is a soul-crushing waste of time, um, but a great way to make money when you're an actor, um, which is what I had gone to college for. And so after moving to Brooklyn, being like, oh, fuck, I need a job, excuse my language, uh, can I say Yeah, you already have. All right, cool. Yes, okay. All right, anyway. It's fine. We don't have it anymore. <laughs> so head shaking. Sorry. As, uh, I, as I actually have to incorporate beeps throughout the entire episode, <laughs> but let's just, you know. You haven't incorporated that. beeps for cursing in a long time. That, no, no, I have this kind of, like, unwritten rule where if it's said early in the podcast, then I'm like, okay, we'll accept it. But if it's late in the podcast, yeah. then we'll kind of let it happen. Because then, oh, it's, then it. it's the surprise. Then exactly. The, then the children hear it. And, exactly. <gasps> I thought this was G-rated. Uh, I, 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 I will try to refrain um, for each easier bleeping. Um, nah, but yeah, I, don't tell me that. It's a terrible <laughs> she plan. Wants we are nasty on the It's valid. It's 100% valid. Um, but yeah, pretty much it was just, it was a great way to make money. Uh, when I had moved to Brooklyn, I accidentally moved a block away from the way station. And so like I had heard, do. I, yeah, like you do. I had heard about the bar through some people that I'd gone to school with where they had mentioned like, oh man, there's a Doctor Who bar in Brooklyn. I'm like, I'm not driving your drunk asses to Brooklyn because I'd have to drive home and that's a terrible plan. And then I ended up just moving in. I was walking to an Indian restaurant to get food with my mom and I did a double take. I'm like, there's a TARDIS in that bar. That's ridiculous. And I went inside. I'm like, can I have a job? And like, do you have a bartend? And I'm like, no. And they're like, no. Um, but I, I enjoyed alcohol. I had nine years of table waiting experience and uh, and I just 
was creative with my resume, and then about nine months later, I ran into the owner of the way station at the taco joint that I was slinging tacos at, and uh, he was like, oh, your name is Katie. You had a really interesting resume. You still want to bartend? It's like, yes, absolutely. And so I actually, I, all my bartending training was through the way station under the expert guise of Andy Heidel. And, uh, Who has also been a guest of the podcast. Yep. It must actually um, be easy to climb the ladder there because there are only like, what, three or four tables. So then you go there and you own the tables. And that way, once you master those few tables, then you can climb the ladder up to the bar. As, yes, it's not a I'm just filling out your life story yeah, is the way I see it. It's pretty good. It's, uh, that was, <laughs> really it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a more simple Donkey Kong, uh, the way you paint it. <laughs> a lot of... Uh, that basically sums uh, up my... Jump over my, a couple of visions. barrels, a couple of fireballs. Um, but yeah, and so it started out as a way of just kind of like, oh, I'm going to make money and I'm going to develop a new skill. And then it really became um, a way of... I just said an incredible place where the strangest people in the world gather and become like a strange, wacky little Adams family of nerds. Um, it's been like a second home to me for a long time. Yeah. I mean, even though I'm barely there now because I don't really drink anymore, it's mm-hmm. like I was there almost every week, mm-hmm. even me too. multiple days a week. Me too. Dare I say more days of the week there than not there at one point. Me too. Um, so I, I feel like live. it's a, an interesting community because if you... If you're interested, you don't have to necessarily be interested in Doctor Who to find common folk there. It's oh, God, no. be nerdy about music or TV or like it's it, it runs the gamut of nerdy things. You mm-hmm. can, as long as you're passionate about a thing, you can kind of find a conversation counterpart. There. Yeah, it's kind of like a low key con at all times. You never know who's going to show up. You never know who what somebody's going to be into. Uh, literally, the first fight I ever broke up there was two people who came in as friends, and then as the night progressed and as they drank more. Uh, they started arguing about Star Trek versus Star Wars, and it came to blows. And by two o'clock in the morning, they were beating the shit out of each other on the floor. And I was like, "Guys, I have to call the cops. This is stupid. Get out of the bar." <laughs> Who won? I uh, nobody. They just rolled out the door and then fought at the bus stop for a little while, and then eventually just wandered away to Do never you at least come back again. Recall what the Star Trek guy was drinking and what the Star Wars guy was drinking. They were both just drinking whiskey. Oh, just okay. Yeah, it started out they were just drinking Doctor Who cocktails. So as far as the just the sugar, just vodka, orange juice, and coloring. And then from there, it just turned into just drinking whiskey. And I was when I was a young enough bartender that I didn't think of, maybe I should stop serving these two. This is starting to get more heated than I'm comfortable with. And uh, yeah, and they actually just started punching each other in the face because of uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars. I always thought that was a strange argument. Like, they're apples and oranges, yeah, I yeah. would think intuitively. Like, everybody yeah, yeah. just loves space. It's great. Yeah, yeah. who doesn't love space? <laughs> I mean, come on now. Assholes. <laughs> Sorry. It's not that simple, of course, of course. But I don't want to bring it up because no. I just quelled it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and you'd lose. You'd lose that argument. Totally lose that So b- bartending Watch became a now. thing of necessity just yeah. to kind of get through living in New York, living in a new place. Yeah, living in an incredibly expensive environment. Um, I, I went to school for acting. That obviously doesn't pay the bills. Uh, auditions were exhausting, and I very quickly... Unfortunately, kind of lost my love of uh, of stage productions in the city, um, just as it wasn't fun. Like, okay, it was a drag. There was the fun of of working and enjoying the bar, and so that kind of became became the scene before uh, finding my current day job, which is uh, lucrative and I can do from home, which is doing voiceovers for a Canadian YouTube channel. That's uh, specific. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like the Canadian extreme equivalent of BuzzFeed as they kind of continuously yell at me whenever I occasionally write scripts for them and they're just like, this script isn't extreme enough. It's too BuzzFeed. Come on, name drop, name drop. Uh, So I I do voiceover work for TheRichest.com, which is uh, 
really terrible listicles. <laughs> it's just, you know, top 10 roads you don't want to drive on. And it's <laughs> oh, all like 10 lies they teach in schools in America and 10 weird facts about America that don't extend to other countries. It's a comfort food of sorts. It is. Yeah. It, well, it sounds it's very even, Canadian, it's just, too. It's, yeah. Because yeah, uh, I like my educational YouTube channels, but then there's usually related videos that will just kind of broach that. Like if I'm watching something in engineering related, like a full on mm -hmm. documentary, then there will be that, you know, roads you don't want to go on. Dangerous roads. Ten, to ten total building fails. You know like a lot this about building this. melts this other building. Who would build it like this? It's a magnifying glass. What? Yeah. I guess everyone <laughs> knows a lot about this, but she's on another level here. Yeah, that's great. And it's, it's so funny because I, I really hate listicles and I really hate what they've done to the internet, but they pay my bills. Like, um, I, I actually make a living recording audio for uh, for a listicles website and then occasionally writing my own listicles but then every time I pitch one I'm like 10 super cool things we sent to space and they're just like that isn't that's not gonna go viral and it's it's uh, crazy because these guys have I, yeah, I would have thought so too but uh but these guys are nuts they have almost three million subscribers on YouTube the the one of the videos I did has over 51 million hits on it it was shared by George Takei on Facebook like it was one of those moments before I stopped one day. I was like scrolling through my Facebook feed and I'm like, wait a minute. And I scrolled back. I'm like, I did that video. <laughs> George Decay, George Decay, you have heard my voice. <laughs> like, and I just had that moment of, I, I don't know what to do with this. Where is that on the celebrity? Like, I know they don't go beyond D-list, but there's got to be something there I for just, where you're at right now. Garbage celebrity. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm, actually, I'm like the raccoon of the celebrity <laughs> universe. Like, I'm just, I'm in some, I'm in Kevin Bacon's trash can, like, finding his ticket stubs and be like, Kevin Bacon went to a concert. <laughs> Climb the ladder. I'm going to totally just have you Climb the ladder. From now on. I mean, I'll voice. do it. If you pay me uh, something. Like the know. squirrel at the bottom of the dump. <laughs> Or climb out. So how did you um, get this connection with the richest? How did uh, that happen? My roommate, my former roommate, <coughs> answered a Craigslist ad. They were looking for video editors. It's like, have you ever used Premiere? <laughs> Let us know. We're looking for American video editors. And so um, he had known that I was a, that I I had a real passion for voiceover work. Um, preferably, I'll just keep auditioning for Pokemon until they hire me. <laughs> God damn you, Pokemon! Someday. Someday you'll hire me. I've gone in twice to read for them. Um, but, uh, and so he just kind of was like, hey, do you mind? All of the videos on this channel are static. And so there was just, they would find stock music, they would put stock music in, and then hire these people to just loot the internet of images, which actually is funny because they're no longer allowed to do because they keep getting yelled at for it. <laughs> so now it's all stock images and all stock music, and then like my voice over the top of these videos. Um, and so he kind of brought in this new dynamic twist to what they were doing and he was adding in more image graphics and moving things around and uh so he just asked me like hey do you want to narrate this video and so he, i did and then the riches kept being like yeah you know but get her to keep doing it and so after i'd done like 10 or 15 videos actually the one that's 51 million views they did not pay me for which i'm still furious about what <laughs> how could you just let that slide well, i did the first 10 videos for free because i was just helping my roommate out and um and then i realized like what the hits were and what they were getting and so i emailed his boss and i'm like hey i'm not gonna do this anymore because you're not paying me 
And uh, and so they're like, all right, well, we're really sad to see you go. You brought something to the table, but you know, bye. We're not going to pay you. And so then I didn't do a couple of videos in a row, and they emailed me again, like, well, we lied. <laughs> well, um, on the flip side, that's some cred for you if you can just let that roll off your back. Be like, well, I'll just wait around for my next fifty-one million video. You know. <laughs> well, and I mean, at that I'm point, that at that point, that one it hit, it hit about one million before George Takei shared it, and then it just exploded. Um, and so that was all beforehand. Um, and again, like, I was helping them get these do these videos and that they were making an insane amount of money on. Um, and this channel also owns six other YouTube channels. Uh, what is it? It's Screen Rant, The Taco. Um, I know Screen Rant. Yeah. So, like, they own all of these YouTube channels. Um, I love Screen Rant. Yeah, Screen I'm Rant. Like, it's owned by Canadians. Wacky Canadians that pay me to live. But I'm like, no, you're hurting Screen Rant right now in my ears. No, but I, I work, I work for their. Um, if they ever hear this, I'm fired. I work, I just, I work for their popcorn junk version, and so like, I'm also not allowed to to work for Screen Rant, and so it's one of those things where they keep posting videos, and I've accidentally narrated two scripts for them, and then sent them in. They're like, oh no, sorry, these were Screen Rant scripts. You, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, but Wait, I, why? I liked that one, and they're just like, yeah, no, but that's for the other guy, and I'm just like, but. But I, w- I want to do these ones. <laughs> That's a weird mm. legal thing that you can't work for the company that... Let's oh, not. No, 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 but anyway, girls. Um, but it's moment. more the fact that it's always just like, oh, we sent you the script on accident. Like, we're not going to use your script. He already recorded it. It's more like that. It's not like a... I probably they pay me for it. Like, but I, I would have seen those videos. I, I would have heard your voice. You would have heard my voice. You'd be like, oh, God, that's you. Oh, you were in that screen. Oh, you were in that screen yeah. right oh, thing. Damn. Um, there'd be there's like a disparity between sound versus video. Like, if you create the video, you'll probably make a lot more money than the person creating the sound. Yep. In general. Yep. Nope, in general. Um, and I think that's wrong. Because you know what we do and all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree, but also the amount of time it takes me to record two takes of every like chunk of a top 10 list versus like the 24 hours that it takes for the video editor to Fair assemble yeah. everything. Fair, yeah, yeah. And so it's like on a on a base by base thing and it's also like I make decent I make a good amount of money for being non-union. But you put your just, heart like, out into that five minutes. I you know into those <laughs> top just, 10 roads you shouldn't drive on. Let's not uh, you know it's called um, space base. But yeah but it's it's really interesting it's fascinating I love doing it uh, occasionally you know I'll pour a nice glass of scotch and sit there and swirl it in the glass and read YouTube comments <laughs> that I shouldn't read. Um, right now there's a, uh, behind the scenes footage oh god if no um, there's we did a when we hit 1 million subscribers a while back we put like a you know ask us any questions about what we do and everybody's like do a face reveal I masturbate to your voice and I'm oh just like <laughs> I'm talking about mutated animals why what's wrong with you that's a niche yeah, apparently but like it's one of those things of where if there's certain moments and like I've, there's been a couple of videos like where I've blown a kiss at the end of the video or something like that. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, mark two minutes and forty seven seconds. Like I just played it on loop. I'm like, ah, why? And so, but like there'll be chunks of of YouTube comments which just face reveal, face reveal, face reveal. And I usually like I'll just be going through with my scotch, <laughs> my like cigar that I'm not smoking in the house, and just like, no. And I'll just type it with a little period and like a little <laughs> winky face. Like, oh, you're being saucy with me. And so it's at the point of where a lot of the YouTube commenters know my handle. And they're just like, oh, like Katie Beast is back. And I'm like, yep, I'm back drinking scotch, telling you guys you're perverts. <laughs> Uh, well, at least now you know you're in the celebrity list. You're already taking the good with the bad. <laughs> I know. Uh, again, that raccoon celebrity status. <laughs> G-list. Um, it's coming. Yep. G-list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yes! Did coffee just come out of your nose? The funny thing is that I said it earlier, but then you repeating it back to me <laughs> made funny. me find it funny. There you go. I don't know why that was. All right. Um, shifting gears a bit. 
bringing us back in the direction of why you're here today. Oh, right, yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your music background. So, obviously, (laughs) we are both um, uh, significant others of the Wasties. Yeah, we are. Um, And so, unless it's a secret. It's not. Katie is with Robert, and um, she was lurking in the background of Robert's episode. She was actually under the table. And who is Robert? For our new listeners. And for our new listeners, Robert is one of the members of the Wasties. He's also a member of the Rose West. He's a member of Eli August and the Abandoned Buildings. He's a member of a lot of bands, probably too many bands. He was in episode 136, Hesitant by Gerard Way. Yes, and he also sang some songs. Uh, We have some live songs on that episode. But, Go check uh, them out. They're great. So, do you uh, want him? Do you want him to perform? He can come do. The, no, no, no. He can no. do the podcast instead no, no, of me if no, you want. No, please, no. <laughs> I love Robert, but <laughs> this is your episode. Ah. We'll have him back later. Um, you were under the table in that episode. As I was. I was just yes, curled sure. up. I was right yeah. here, like, under the table. She's pointing, but you guys can't see. There's a lot of hand gestures. <laughs> um, so anyway, besides that musical connection that we have, you are very into music. A lot of our early conversations at the bar were about music. Um, specifically about mindless self-indulgence, which came up earlier. That's MSI. That's oh, MSI. Okay, okay. Um, I wanted to ask about your early minutes. musical development. I met both of your parents, who are delightfully sweet people, um, who are very into music, especially your dad. Yeah. Um, my dad wants to be in the Wasties, by the way. Yeah, and the Rose Aggressively West. wants to, yeah. Oh, he, oh my God, that's all he talks about. What's his role? Uh, he, he plays he plays bass guitar, and he's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. it's one of those things where he's just like, you know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to kick out this member of the band. Like, I'm going to play bass. I'm going on tour. I'll dye my hair green. It's like... <laughs> No. No. You're a doctor. <laughs> no, you're not. You're, you're a doctor. <laughs> Dentist, actually, right? He's, he's an optometrist. Oh, there's got to be like a reserve That's list, right? Wrong. I don't know. It's, well, it's, to waste he, these reserves? He, they he, come in on Saturdays like twice yeah. a month? <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, how did, when was your earliest memories of music? Where did it come from? Was your dad a big influence on your musical um, development? Yeah, a lot of, lot of classic rock growing up constantly. Um, didn't do a lot of the pop music thing when I was a kid. It was mostly a lot of Led Zeppelin, a lot of Blue Oyster Cult, a lot of the Beatles, a lot of Aerosmith, um, a lot of Reba McIntyre. There's like, so this is like, and then that. Like, there was a complete, <laughs> and now this. Um, yeah, my dad just loves Reba. I don't know. I think that's the only concert he's seen in like the last like 20 years. Is Reba? He sees Reba like every time. I mean, she's not a bad singer. I've no, heard her music. It's just like I, one it's, of those it's... things though. It's like, that's like my, that's my dad's weird niche. Yeah, now. everyone has one. Um, but yeah, so there was that uh, in high, in middle school started going to local punk venues because that's what you did when you grew up in Western Massachusetts was you would go to shows and beat the shit out of each other. Um, at least <laughs> that's right. what I did. Um, and so it's like, you know, before you can drink or do drugs, you're just going to go beat the shit out of your friends. Um, so I did a so lot of that. punk rock. Yeah, it's punk rock into a, a lot of like just loud, bad bands. And so a lot of the local theaters or local shacks, there was literally a venue that was just called The Shack. It wasn't a venue, it was a shack. And <laughs> they, had, they had electricity in half of the room and they would just have these bands come, play music that wasn't music, it was just noise. And it was just kind of that classic, you know, fuck it, whatever, nihil- sorry. Uh, <laughs> nihilistic point of view as far as music goes. And it had that spark, that moment of like, you know, okay, I'm going to break something. And I did a lot. I broke my nose eight times and then finally it broke straight the last time and then I stopped punching myself in the, or getting myself punched in the face. 
I think um, the last and only time I actually moshed was I, I got my head smashed into a brick wall. Uh, yeah, That was like my one and only time. After yeah. that, I thought, maybe How? this is not wait, a great wait, decision. Wait, wait. Yeah. I was is in the middle of the room. And there was a column in the middle of the room. Ooh. And these or were, these were a smart crowd, area. let me tell you. Yeah, or it's a very small room. and Or it's a shack. <laughs> and if you're... Dock Street, Staten Island. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never um, forget. But yeah, and then on the other, completely opposite side of that, um, I grew up a theater kid. I did a lot of musical theater. Um, I sang in the select show choir for my That's right. We did have a mutual sharing of Hamilton and the obsession of with Mm -hmm. recently. It's beautiful. It's delightful. Yes. You shared that. Matt Matt brought Hamilton to my to my attention. I'm happy to do it. I enjoy it. Eventually these guys will listen. Well, you know, he brings things to your attention. You brought certain albums to our attention. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not transitioning yet. I'm just I'm just I'm just teasing. Just, That's all. Oh, just just give, me, give me already a little taste. <laughs> so so how did you cuz I mean your music tastes have quite of expand at least in the years I've known you. Like it's not just those things. Like everything. How did that uh, how, just listening to everything being open yeah. or did it come from working in the bar? Did people bring um, stuff to your attention? The bar helped. Or, I mean, well, the bar the bar just kind of expanded upon what I liked, what I didn't like. I still don't like 80-year-old African flautists playing at 11 o'clock at night. Fair point. Um, way station. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it happens. Um, you can't play Brahms lullabies on African flute at 11 o'clock at night. You can't do it. Can't do it. I'm surprised he played a Brahms lullaby on an African flute. I was impressed, too, until I was asleep. And then oh. everybody robbed the bar. Well, wrong setting, <laughs> wrong environment. I, I attribute uh, it. There, there is a there is a time and a place for Brahms. Um, <laughs> but uh, Johannes Brahms. I'm sorry. Johannes Brahms. It's from a commercial where he Guten was actually. Tag. Yep. You, she knows a commercial. <laughs> you All don't, right. listeners. You don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just it was a nice kind of pairing over of mutual interests of a little bit of everything. And getting to meet new local artists who are fascinating and then forgetting them and then remembering them because they came back on a monthly residency and then remembering them again and then forgetting them later. Um, And just kind of a constant shuffle of seeing five bands a night every night of the week for four years. It gets you some exposure. Yeah, and so you kind of get a a feeling for, for what's going on in the city and what's really... What's moving and shaking? Can it have the opposite effect? Can it actually oh, kind of yeah. null you out to yeah, it? Yeah, it definitely Not counting can. the Brahms lullaby, but just in general, a whitewash. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I hate to say it. Uh, I actually now have much less appreciation for Americana. Mm. The singer-songwriter, um, the one guy on stage yep. alone with a guitar... We've talked about this he's everywhere. times. Yes. Oh, he's everywhere. And also, he the tries. one-man looping band... I'm sorry, Ooh. that just means you don't have any friends. Oh. <laughs> if you had oh, friends, ouch. you'd have a band. Ooh. Unpopular opinion, you can write me hate mail at mattstorm.gmail.com. That's not my email address, so <laughs> that works. But you can find it on the website. <laughs> you can find my email address. Also, website. as me and Matt know, we have the standards of Reggie Watts, so if you're not at Reggie Watts' standards, it's tough to take that's it true. seriously. That's true, and that's exactly it. Like, unless you're Reggie Watts, who has too many friends to pick. <laughs> Yeah, then and chooses not to just because he's awesome. Yeah, but one man looping bands those uh, those ground my gears. It was <laughs> they would show up and they would do like Daft Punk covers by themselves on a guitar. I'm just like, nope, I'm none too tired for this. <laughs> I've worked a 50 hour shift. It. Over, over it. it. I do want to talk about something you said earlier off air. Uh, you specifically attributed this album that we're about to talk about, <laughs> but in general, you say you just listen to music while you're doing your artwork. Mm-hmm. And 
does it influence it? Like, do you feel like that might actually um, the ener- the energy does. So if I'm if I need to, so for instance, I've been doing a lot of um, really quick like 15 minute live stream sketches of where I'll bang out 20 drawings each about 15 minutes a piece, and then just trying to keep keep the movement going. And actually, this is what where this album comes in is because that high energy that <laughs> that drum that just keeps going uh, is. It keeps the energy up and it kind of, my brain goes into a space of just turning off. So the music can be distracting and the music can also be the greatest thing. I also tend to do a lot of Netflix, but the problem with Netflix is specifically House of Cards and then I just stop drawing. And, and just watch. <laughs> so music itself tends to be the more productive thing for art and absolutely it affects the, the feeling of the piece. Um, if I'm doing something specific or if I'm working on a really intense commission of some sort, then I definitely curate a playlist beforehand so that I can go through and be like, all right, this is the mood of the piece, this is the color palette of the piece, and that's really where music can come and shape something. Do they tend to be more on the passive side, just so there's more active brain focus on the drawing? Nope. Actually, it tends to be almost the opposite. And so um, I listen to to a lot of Dead Kennedys when I draw. Um, I listen to a lot of MSI. I listen to a lot of DeAntword for listeners who listened last week. Um, oh, episode 183. Four weeks ago, actually. Four weeks ago. Yeah, Jesus time goes fast Christ. on this podcast. I have no idea. That's the right. timey-wimey <laughs> stuff. I listen to a lot of Rose West as a random plug for a guy who's somewhere in the room. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, a high energy tends to be tends to be a thing that I tend to look for with music. But then at the same side, I listen to a lot of Chopin. So it's it's a mixed bag. Interesting. It's I mean, a little bit of everything. I think because we've had other illustrators on before, and usually a lot of them will say, and I've interviewed um, writers and comic artists for my other podcast also, and they usually say little to no music when drawing because it distracts them. So it's interesting to hear the other side of it, which I knew existed. I just I'm a hyper distracted person as it is. So I guess if I just keep myself in a perpetual state of distraction, then I'll just bounce back and forth faster. <laughs> it's also interesting because on that vein, you're talking about the cross pollination of how like one medium affects the other mm-hmm. and I was thinking that earlier when you asked the question Matt because you're always asking well what are the influences what are the influences sure. you're usually asking this to musicians both on this podcast and on autographs alike and here you're asking it to an artist and I find that most artists that I've met whenever that question is asked they say what you say nothing really is coming to mind it's just mm. kind of I draw from the heart I draw from the soul it, it comes out ah. of who I am inside whatnot. Uh, but musicians <laughs> musicians always give answers they usually yeah. can say well this is who yeah. uh, influenced me growing up and I still kind of try to if not emulate this style you know do music in this style and hope that there's something unique in the process that's, that's, that's an interesting difference that I find I, well, don't I, know have, if, I don't know what it says about the people in question it's just curious well bringing that up I mean it's interesting because I've interviewed a lot of different people at this juncture and like it's pretty much except for the illustrators and writers. Everyone else, comedians, performers, you know, burlesque performers, musicians, all have influences and that they yeah. can cite, especially sometimes very specifically for music, even if they're not in music. And so you're right. I think that asking that question a lot, you can get a, a breadth of different answers, but this is probably the one of the more interesting, that it was just kind of, well, sort of, but mostly it's from me. You know, I'm getting, I'm my influence, I guess kind of a thing. I, I, I feel like I don't deserve anywhere near that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a monolith alone in a field. Free spirit, own it. Yeah, there you go. Um, but let's, why don't we take this time to transition to the album you brought us. So oh, what yeah. album did you bring us today? Um, so How I much brought, of free spirit uh, were you today? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, I brought in The Struts Everybody Wants, which is um, 
their album from this year, which is based off of an older album, apparently. 2014. Um, 2014. And they actually cut like two, three songs off of it and put in four new others in the reprisal version. I, get, I was confused yeah, looking it up. It's baffling. Um, I discovered these guys by literally just, I was scrolling through Facebook mindlessly one day while putting off doing art. And uh, namely the Crash Chords logos. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm counting the seconds. So was, <laughs> well, you know, you've got, hopefully you can count really high. I can. I um, can. I'm working on it. But I, uh, I was scrolling through, and you know, occasionally Facebook ads will pop up and actually blast music at you. And there was one, and it was just for them being Facebook's algorithm tracking the fact that I live in Philadelphia. And it was just like, oh, you know, they just played Philadelphia, coming back for a world tour. The Struts. I'm like, I've never heard of this band ever. And I and so it just popped up with this one song, which is the second song on the album, and I'm like, oh wow, this is all right. This is getting me going. Okay, sure, maybe this is something that I can put on and and you know feel something, make it. Yeah, I'm not even gonna go there. Um, but uh, and so I I listened to the whole song. I was like, wow, this is pretty good. And so all at the time, all they had on Spotify was a three song EP, and so all three of the songs. I'm like, oh wow, okay. It turned into kind of that that summer jam scream out the window at the top of your lungs kind of a thing, and uh, and so then I was like, all right, well, this became my kind of mindless art album that I've been listening to lately, much to the chagrin of everyone on this podcast. <laughs> I find it interesting, actually. <laughs> no, no, I'm holding my uh, I'm holding yeah. my piece. Yes, but, but more on that later. But but based on what John said, because it was a 2014 album originally, and I don't know of this being done too often. Where you know, normally you'd find all right re-releases that are the one case by, that I can cite that we've done specifically by many years or by, uh, by a short a period year of time. Or two a um, reissue. Um, yeah. Um, Shoot, the uh, Walk Off the Earth album we did, where we did just the EP with Joe Root, and then oh, that's later a little different the... because that's actually it, it, that's that's more common. I find EPs that directly feed into the album or oh, kind okay, of tease fair. the album, sure, um, almost like previews. Like yeah. here are four tracks, and then you will find these four tracks plus many more on the okay. actual LP coming fair up point. this summer. Um, <laughs> but this summer. in the, in this case, uh, no, it was like they released this in 2014. It felt like this was the release. It had about 11 tracks on it, and then there were so many adjustments that were made between 2014 and 2016, which incidentally means that you slipped under the radar but for our rules. And our rules are it has to be an album of this year or the previous year. So technically 2014 would have been too early except for the fact that it is a reissue, so it counts. Yeah, you not, not like got, we would have been dicks no. and then like and absolutely no. told well, then you not to pick like, it for pick a, a different album year. and I would have been like, okay, Donker Mag. And then it would have been like, oh, well, that happened four weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it's, pick another it's album. weird. It's like... Um, it's like a producer found this album, whether it was, you know, on a, a thrift store shelf or at like a local venue, they found it, they pumped a lot of money into it, pulled all the albums off the shelves, changed it, changed the whole, changed the feel of the band, and then immediately re-released it into something that they wanted to sell. It's strange. Well, let's go on a little bit of background here. Yeah. The Struts, and this is shamelessly taken directly from Wikipedia. 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 Um, they are an oh, English nope. English walk band. <laughs> I won't continue. From Derby, Derbyshire. I believe it's actually Derby, Derbyshire. I will do that. That's <laughs> but fine. I won't do the other thing. That's fine. Uh, the band consists of vocalist Luke Spiller, guitarist Adam Slack, bassist Jed Elliott, and drummer Gethin Davies. Formed in 2010, the original lineup was composed of Spiller, Slack, bassist uh, Jamie Binns, and drummer Rafe Thomas. 
Um, they flat out say that they were influenced, just like I said before, they always say their influences. Queen, the Rolling Stones, Def Leppard, Oasis, and the Libertines. And they I'm have completely been... shocked by this. Yeah, now, yeah. there's <laughs> one band that's missing from that, and we'll talk about that in a Yeah, we read moments. this after the fact. We just kind yeah. of let it experience huh. first. Except for this one line, which I did read about halfway through because I, I was too curious. I was just like, what are people saying about this work? Because I was identifying things here and there. And uh, I'm not exactly sure who said this. This was a some some reviewer said that the struts have been described as unabashedly over-the-top retro fetishist classic rock glamorous and dangerous and as having a chance to spark a real rock revival with their hooky glam sound which manages to pay tribute to the classics while remaining impeccably modern um impeccably i don't even we're gonna, we're gonna get there but but impeccably they, modern modern all right, anyway. Track one, roll up. Yes. So <laughs> That's this, a transition for this, you. I mean, the way this track starts with the kind of guitar-vocal combination, that it's it's like, okay, this is sounding like a lot of things I've heard before. It's not there, something super unique. But there is a very distinct little thing that's going on here, and that's in the vocal work, yeah. and that's the high-end warble. Yeah. It's, He's kind of rolling his voice a little bit. And I can't I can't reproduce that. That's no, something I just will never be able to do. Well, it's, it's the choice. There's a lot of choice in the vocals on this first track. And so he, he chooses to be flat on a lot of the moments in the chorus. He chooses this crazy warble, which is engaging and perfect in its imperfection. And strange, but compelling for an opening track that pulls you in. It is strange. The, interestingly, this is where I was really... I, I, I wasn't seeing as many comparisons. Maybe I yeah. kind of, sort of thought that that little warble that he does, his his character, his turn of phrase, was in the vein, perhaps, of Freddie Mercury. Sure. So, yeah, we have the Queen influence. The theatricality, perhaps for sure, is there. But I also, at the same time, saw uh, Laura Jane Grace, for a lead singer of Against Me. I saw that there. There's a lot of character in that vulgar. He's, he's a quite quite an impressive range, I thought. Um, so, when it comes to the melody, I was completely 100% on board as of the first track. I thought there were a couple of things that maybe could have been staggered a bit. For instance, I like the musical progression. I just wish it had taken a little bit longer. It does For move instance, pretty quick. It, yeah. it, it starts off with just that little uh, that little clock sound, just the ticking, and then that transitions. You start layering in quick. You have more guitar, and then finally you have the drums pounding straight through, and then you quickly enter uh, the that that's the verse, and then you quickly enter the pre-chorus, which was kind of a bit of a whitewash for me. I didn't expect it to go from this like pared-down sound into this just this wall of sound, and even that itself didn't really last too long. Yeah. I liked the melody over it, but the background was just a little bit, eh, a little bit too much in your face. And then finally, you get the chorus, which was even more of a whitewash than that. And that's when they're shouting, "Everybody wants, everybody wants," um, owing to the title of the album. But even more strangely than that, I actually thought the chord progression was really weird here. It made me think that we were going to get a lot of like strange transpositions over the course of the album. It seemed to really just be confined to this first track, though. They were kind of jumping around. They start off in C major, but there is one little thing in that guitar. This is during the pared down section, mm -hmm. where uh, the guitar actually does throw in a little bit of a, a sharp five, flat six. So you have kind of an augmented feel there. And that, it's kind of like a dreamy feel. It made me feel like this was almost like an excursion, like an odyssey, like things were traveling. And then finally we break out into uh, the, the pre-chorus, which is more rapidly moving through the chords here, kind of trying to hastily move us into the next thing. Uh, and like I said, it was only about 10 seconds before we were in the chorus. And here we are in E-flat minor. 
which is strange just from a theory perspective that is a really really strange move from C major to E flat minor it's just like they flat out ditched where they were coming from there's not a lot of shared commonalities between that except perhaps that little augmented flat six in there now this may seem really strange that I'm breaking down this kind of track to this 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 fine tooth comb degree but I, it, it's odd because I, it makes me wonder, well, what's the reason for, like, throwing me to one section and then the other? And I couldn't really find it over the course of the track. Instead, they just snapped back to the C major section later, when they go back to the verse, and then they snap back to the E flat later. And then at the tail end of this track, they transpose to E for some reason. They're all, they cannot pick their, their key, and, and usually that's interesting. I don't know what it is here. Well, um, if they can't pick their key... We'll you, look at the lyrics have, and maybe we can figure it out. You but. do have to remember, they pick their drum line and... <laughs> they pick and, everything else. Yes, <laughs> that is... that is Oh, it is incessant. It is just going full force. It doesn't want to stop. Now, this is really good for this track because it gets you pumped up. Yeah, there's an intensity to this track. And I think... I agree with Steve, at least, on the... It builds really quick. And I'm someone who doesn't mind pop tracks or pop rock tracks that move quickly and this is very you know very much a glam all-out rock fest track and so it moving quickly typically wouldn't bother me but here i noticed it and if i'm noticing it, it it's clearly very apparent but it did lend to the high energy it, even though it felt like it left other parts wanting a little bit because it moves so quickly. It hints as if there was going to be some kind of like prog move there, but right. jammed but in such a short span of time, you know, it, it's it's too it's too crammed together to process. Yeah, you need to kind of let that sit. You know what? They're not showcasing this emotion though. When you come to the the vocals and the lyrics, the vocals. I saw Steve Tyler. I saw Aerosmith like full force in this piece. Okay, we got different things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but here I'm not expecting like the deepest and darkest of emotional touchstone for this track when I'm thinking, oh, Steve Tyler, nice full force, rock you out, really just be be trying to ooze sex out of the pores, and the lyrics speak to that. And so, after the show, to my home we'll go. Promise I'll take it slow and welcome you in with Lambrini and Jim, the perfect of skins. Then I'll undress with my teeth to see what's beneath, under your silken briefs, in my own boudoir, the je ne sais quoi, nobody will stop me, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, ooh. to hear John's read, but... <laughs> no, That's, that, that, is, that is almost gratuitous. I mean, they're not going the full force of, of I want to feel you from the inside or something like that, but they're... <laughs> It's gratuitous, the the way the sex is yeah, trying but it's, but it's, to be but shown. It's, trying to be shown. Well, yeah, but I don't want to say it's gratuitous because there's a little bit of a wink there. It, it's very kind of like in the vein of Poison and the other glam rock bands, the kind of over-sexualized, not really saying a lot. Because that's yes, what yes, all those bands did. Vague. I would still call them gratuitous, though, in I a guess. lot of ways. All right. It's it's just it's it's, there. it's not meant to be artful. It's yeah. meant to be just like I'm a rock star and I'm gonna do you. And so I mean, let's be real. I'm gonna maybe give you these things, but let's be real. This we know where this is going. I mean, I think you know. I agree, and I, I I think maybe I am leaning closer to John's word gratuitous, but in two separate ways. Gratuitous because of the word choice and because it's putting everything out there, but also because of like theme wise, the way in which you'd present yourself to the public. Okay, There's so that, much yeah, confidence yeah. here. There's yeah. so much. It it's was extremely uplifting from the start, but of course I'm looking for things. In the same way I'm looking for those things in the, the nitpicking theory wise, I was thinking like, well, there's a little bit of 
a little bit of foreshadowing here. There has to be because that that flat six, that little augmented thing, didn't quite make sense. Something will build. Yeah, it's like well, it will go somewhere. He's he's confident, but he's gonna it's gonna crash down in the end. We'll Mm -hmm. see. Um, is it about time to move on? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. It's I think we. Well, the one thing I do want to say also, as we close up on this track, is that it, clearly this is leaning to a arena rock kind of thing that we've heard before. But I at least enjoyed it more here. I thought the track was fun. I wasn't like I do agree with John. The drums were repetitive, but that wasn't enough of a deal breaker for me because it moved quickly enough that I was like, all right, I'm and along for the as ride. As a first track, it's kind of that like. You do, here's the th- not, hey, here's the thing. Not knowing where it's gonna go, it's one of those things of as an intro track. It's not a it's not a terrible way to welcome into a new artist that but, you've never heard. But there was one and, little thing. There was one little thing which actually got my hopes up immensely, and that was the actual outro. It was like a few. circusy yeah. fet- theme. That was like a demented carousel, which I love. We thought it was like alluding yeah. to something. It was a little laugh oh, in the beginning. Oh, cool! It's that would have been. That would have been amazing, but then no track connection. two well, shows Well, even up. considering that the yeah. transposition like preceded that, it's like they were moving this into crazier directions. So I, I expected that there was going to be a little bit of madness it, here. It, and in the know. end, in the end, despite that, I'm maybe a little confused as to the choices behind this. I like I like tracks that move through oh, motions sure. and go different places. So it was mostly positive for me up this point, and I, yeah. it, it seemed to define the band. It, not that that well, that should outro have also led track. you to believe that there was kind of maybe we're getting a narrative or some kind of like there exposition. Or, or at least surrealism. But there that, was and then we got track two. Could have been me. Well, we're Copy. certainly still up. Yeah. I won't Copy. lie. I love this song. It's one of those things of just like this is this is the roll down your windows and just yell, and it doesn't matter if what the words are. You just already know them within the first three well, seconds. Well, it song. changed my opinion on the band. It may have it may have turned me uh, a different direction with it, but not negatively. Mm-hmm. In, instead, what it did was it just made me revisualize them. Suddenly, they weren't like this little barely prog thing. Instead, they were just. They were anthemic pop at this point. They were straight up anthemic pop, and I thought, well, at least within that genre, because I guess we have to call it a genre at this point, it's everywhere, this is pretty good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's also way too early for an anthem on an album. (laughs) It is. The second track is way too early. It is, but even Mm, that... It can be done. Uh, Doing an anthem like right away, going full force... It's possible when you're speaking from the quote-unquote rock star persona. I mean, the first lines of... uh, Roll up. We're talking about waking up at one o'clock in the afternoon and starting your day there. That's not something you do as a you know nine to five kind of a person. So here he's already setting a stage as a larger than life kind of individual, a rock star, quote unquote. I I, I can see that actually working when you're speaking from this stage. And there's obviously a stage in this track. It's an actual cartoon version of a rock star, though, which I mean, it's absolutely bizarre. Yeah, I, I'm willing to think that music-wise here, because it is so pop and so not rock, unless that's just the medium he's using to exhibit his feelings about the rock star thing. See, now now the, the words are starting to stick in my head, the words that were actually stated there on that Wikipedia article. The, um, the, the glam rock thing and how that's what they've kind of been trying to go for. Or maybe that's just how people interpret them. And it's almost putting them in a box, but that's not really the experience that we're going to be having throughout this album. There's just so many cases where they dip into various different things, which maybe you could generally see as through the lens of this glam rock style, which I guess in itself was a little bit satirical, or just like, uh, 
a, a lens that had really no meaning. It had no substance to it in, except with which to explore these various other art forms that were retro for its time. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like with this track, like it's the, the, the chorus, when we get to the pre-chorus and the chorus, it's clearly the rah-rah fight song song. And that almost sounded weird, but but you know what I'm saying. Like it, it, it sounds so much like a fight song on any other album. I just don't, the only thing I think for me that makes this the fight song for them is his voice. Again, he's doing, you know, ups and downs and weird little things with it that gives it character. You know, I'm, we'll compare him more so later, but there are, this is the first artist, I think, besides the lead singer of Muse, where I would compare to Freddie Mercury, not necessarily because of how skillful of a singer he was, but more so for the character and the theatricality and he sings the, with. I, I heard it in yeah. the first track, I heard it more here, I will agree. Yeah. It was it was the rising pitch he has at the end of his phrase work in the verses that really sunk that home for me. He would just hit, he would go up uh, a, a couple of octaves I don't I don't know them well enough to tell you how many but he would just he would just go full force rise almost scream just really getting the words through the through the speakers it, through your headphones into your head it's at the end of this first stanza don't want to live as an untold story rather go out in a blaze of glory I can't hear you I don't fear you I'll live now because the bad die last dodging bullets with your broken past. I can't hear you. I don't fear you now. And he really starts belting it toward yeah. the end there on that lines, I don't fear you now. Because up until then, he's actually this kind of this smooth vocal style. Mm -hmm. Like, it just mm -hmm. flows together so, so well. And then finally, it is it's it is a bit theatrical because it sounds like someone is kind of breaking themselves out of the melody. Yeah. And now they're actually, they're, they're acting at that moment uh, before we head into, well, the pre-chorus. When you, you get, or yeah, go ahead. No, there's nothing more to say. It's uh, a pre uh, Honestly, this is a reflection very closely of what I saw in the first track. It's when I started to notice there's a little bit of a pattern here. Granted, we're only at track two, but I start to see it a little bit more later. Is that the 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 rapid fire nature? Not just of like the the chords that I I noted in the first track. Instead, this time it's not really as chordally complex, but just the speed at which we go from first to pre-chorus, very short pre-chorus, and then finally into chorus. Like the song feels like it's barely begun before I'm already singing out the anthem to this thing that just started. That, that that's selling itself a little a little much. It's laying itself a little thick. I don't know. I would do, I would I. I agree with the speed. I feel like, though, I mean, this song and the previous track are the same exact length. Three minutes and eight seconds. Identically. Are they really? Yes. That's and, kind of amazing and horrible. They, and they both move at the same speed. The yeah. only difference here is I noticed a lot more of the fight song cliches. Um, I'm not going to list them, but I feel like but there, there is one that stands out that is really just apparent, and that is the, quote, everybody sing at once part, where yeah. there's yeah. the background, and it's not, a, it's not a choir or anything like that. It's just the crowd speaking yeah, along. chanting along. Long. Not yeah, chanting is much more appropriate because it gets a little bit creepy after you hear like the fifteenth, twentieth time on on some places, some albums. But here, it's just it's just that standard cliche of I have to speak to the masses. Gotta, we all should be like this. I gotta say, with this particular track, though, it's it's the use of a cliche because it works, and it's that moment of it is it's that calculated look and going we know that this is going to get you we know this is going to get stuck in your head we know you are going to be singing this chorus whether you want to or not you're going to be making eggs one morning you know do 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 ah damn it and you just can't get it out yes that that i agree with that 100% because 
it's not from a position that I'm like going. It's that's not doesn't feel disingenuous. It feels like yeah, that's he, he, a good point. straight up. I want you to sing along with me because the song itself is talking about you know living life to its fullest, and that in itself is its own little cliche. Um, yeah, we all have to be freeze frame. We have to drink from the nectar of the gods to really feel like blah 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 blah. blah. But here, I'm it's, over it. That's it's the just, thing. Well, it it works. Like well, we're all precious flowers that can you know do whatever we want. Work from home, she says, as the person who works from home. The the track <laughs> itself is very run of the mill, but I, I I'm I not feeling something. I'm getting I'm getting adrenaline yeah. in me, and that's. That's saying the the formula in this case is really working. I, yeah. I also won't lie. This is probably the most pumped up that I've been by a pop rock song in a very long time. Like the first Fair time point. I heard it, I thought it was, was going into things like Vertical or something like that, yeah. like full U two at like one maybe, point. Maybe but this, this maybe this is going to be brilliant, and then you know. Well, I wasn't going to equate you two to brilliant. No, that's, that's no, 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 no. Okay, no, no. I, I, I meant brilliant. I meant brilliant as a, sorry. That was not the actual definition of brilliant. That was more of the like ah, I can just throw this word around. British people, brilliant. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, maybe I. It's clear that I'm maybe more the naysayer on this track, oh, but please, I. W- but I do agree. Like, pro- it is probably one of the most successful on the album because it is a little bit more catchy and it does have a nice progression to it, even if it is a little bit quick. It's. It's really just that they kind of set you up, they throw you in without hesitation or pretense, and that would be refreshing if we were in a let's say a back to the basics kind of mood. Um, I mean, like on like the, the niche that we're in, yeah, societal sure. niche, whatever we're, we're kind of music we're trying to make the trend. And and I don't know, I'm not necessarily in that lately. So I guess that is going to vary in person to person. Sure. I feel that that we have been in that lately, and maybe I'm now getting toward the end of that curve. Because we've had this uh, come up in a lot of other podcasts no, where sure. people comes on and it's just like, ah, it's just, it's back to the basics. It's, it's the way rock was, man. You know, it's just verse, chorus. That's all you need. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it strikes me as an excuse. That's the thing. All right. Well, but let's... that said, they do a lot with it. Right. So I guess that's what matters. One final note that I will make on this track, though, too, is that this is definitely where the mixing starts to feel lopsided. This is where a lot of the vocals come very forward and you start to kind of lose any guitar that you really had in the first track has mm. started to kind of be completely overshadowed by by the vocals yeah. and that's a theme that's going to continue for the rest of the album that's interesting that's a that's an interesting observation i didn't notice that in this track but i did notice uh one little positive side for the mixing and that was this is the only track where i feel like they they threw in other things like for, for the last stretch here which felt like more of a I'm not going to say a jam necessarily but it was it was more of a shebang they played it out and it felt like there was brass instruments coming in toward the end it it, it felt lively and yeah. so yeah. I, I felt like maybe this track earned it by the end and and right. I guess that's that's no, saying something for it let's go to track three kiss, kiss that this 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 this. <laughs> this or that well done this. guys kiss this. Good, good job, job. we're professionals well, we've done how many of these <laughs> anyway i've done one it's my fault i screwed that up uh, anyway. don't blame them guys so this is the track where i will pointlessly throw around the word swagger or strutting or attitude you see which... those aren't equivalent swagger may be the most appropriate because it seems to be a little bit cocky yeah, yeah. and in, in in the the vein of Robbie Williams, it does. It feels so, fairly straight up pop here, as opposed it's so to pop Bobby rock. It's so Bobby Sway. Just yeah. it, that's what wow. that's what it really is at its core. Bobby Sway back and forth, go along with the whoa, lyrics. Whoa, 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 whoa. And you get mean, lost. You, you mean you're gonna completely gloss over that 1960s TV intro theme here? You're you're gonna argue that that's not like 
an integral part of the song? No, yes. no, I'm pretty sure it's not an integral part of the song. Well. It's an integral part of the song for the two seconds that it's happening, because that's what's happening. Well, it blew my world. Um, <laughs> no, it didn't. No, no. <laughs> You're full of crap. Um, no, but I mean, so this the, the thing about this song is, so we're getting at least a different sound for these three tracks within a certain vein, but they are distinct from each other. And this one, though, is very much straightforward pop. It reminds me a lot of the Brit pop that we have reviewed on the podcast. We've brought a few different artists who have gone in that direction or touched on that, if not been fully engrossed in it. And so I agree with John that this feels very much in the vein of Robbie Williams, especially the album that we reviewed. You take the crown. And it felt more modern. Like, uh, yes. hard to, uh, apart from silly 1960s TV intro yeah. thing, the rest of the track, I can't really pin it to a specific genre. Yeah, it yeah, does you... feel more modern other than being generically going, well, it's pop. And you, well, you get the brass that was coming out of at the very end of the last track. You get it a yeah. little bit in the beginning, and bit. then it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that did actually stick out, and this I have to kind of refute your complaint about the mixing, the bass. I detected some really solid bass work yep. in the verses that did actually it, it you know what it overshadowed the vocals in a lot of ways because I was focusing on that it was something that worked well with the sway that was going on worked well with the very you know marching rhythm that was going on and I was going I want more I want more this is this is actually the first instrumentation I'm really latching onto in this album it took three tracks but it's doing good in this case it, it's flushing it out so when I say Robbie Williams, that's actually a compliment in this case. He knows his pop. He does incredible pop. And here, this rock pop amal amalgamation that's going on is doing a great job of actually perpetuating the, the movement, the intensity that we've got in the first two tracks. My favorite part of this was actually the guitar solos, believe it or not. Not that they were really like long, expansive guitar solos, but they were more like interludes, and they had they had a kind of spunk to them. Something, yeah, I know it sounds silly because it's uh, we were debating what the hell to call this. Is it like an attitude? It's not, it's, nothing about this is really like cuter edging attitude. on attitude. Yeah, it is cuter Maybe, yeah, it's, it's cuter. Spunk. Maybe the lyrics at times can get a little attitude driven, or not the, these lyrics particularly but the lyrics overall in the album. Sassy. Yeah, but the music doesn't really quite live up. So You gotta the, move, though. And you it's gotta, that bass line. Yeah, they have gotta, to move to it. The guitar will do yeah. it, the bass will do it to you. I, I, I enjoyed it for that. I thought, actually, throughout the album, there is some... Pretty decent guitar work. I, mm -hmm. The guy can play. I don't think it's it's often showcased as well as it could be. Right. But it's it's good stuff. Give I me more. I would say here vocally also there's something a little different. He's doing what I cleverly... Uh, called scream talking, which is you know kind of Clever. kind of you know screaming, but but not screaming in a belty kind of sing songy way. It was more kind of spoken. Um, so I just explained what scream talking Isn't is. Is scream talking shouting? I feel like that's uh, yeah, I guess shouting. shouting. Sure, um, is that the true definition of shouting? Yeah, Talking, screaming? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? We'll, we'll go uh, with that. We'll go with that. But, English, English but what was interesting words. also is this is the first time we get, and I think the only time really on the whole album, we get distinct kind of sound bitey stuff. Katie pointed out like keyboard kind of beeping that was oh, very yeah. faint in the background. It didn't step forward really. That but, shrill keyboard for some reason. Yeah. It's my just, favorite it, part of this whole song. Yeah, but just, it, it works within beep, the actual beep, rhythm beep, that's beep, going on. Yeah. It's, it's another little layer. I mean, there's a lot of layers here. It's... Yeah, are there, though? It feels a little bit. <laughs> I don't think there are. Yeah. Well, for this album, there is a lot of layers here. Fair point. There's like five. The, five whole layers. Yeah, I think there's six in one track later on, and there we go. There's but two. It, it works within the framework. It yeah. works within yeah. propelling no, the song. And this is one of the really short songs on the track, under three minutes. Yep. And... 
it, it's not it's, much. It's here that it's album overall is like forty minutes long. Yeah, yeah. it's not a long album. album. And it's a I I kind of wanted it, especially what Steve pointed out the almost solo work that was going on. There was one in the middle, and there was actually one at the end, which kind I, of rocked the the song out. And yeah. I thought it was a really good outro kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it would have been great if there would would been like a three minute 45 second track that had like nice expansive solo work right there those would have been natural places to extend this track natural places to really allow one or two band members to start cutting loose and doing something and that I think has really been my big problem no one's doing much yet no one's really being allowed to do much everything is very rhythm oriented even the bass does end up becoming repetitive does end up being color that is the same color over and over again by the end of this track and it's it's a theme i'm not really enjoying because if this is anthemic rock you can't just do parts where you cut out pieces and and do vocal work and really that's your hook or something like that you need to still have movement in some instrumentation to to project emotion upon not just saying words that i'm not really digging and not really enjoying you have to have something else to latch on to but see i would wager that what you're experiencing right now is not so much because I, I think to some extent we experienced that again in the previous track and the, and the track before that but yet we were still able to find you know latch on to things that we liked and as long as you can latch on to something that you like then you can accept it as catchy and you know just glide along with it but i would argue that the thing you're noticing is the fact that well this is our third anthemic track it's 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 each and every one of these tracks wants to be the thing. Yeah, yeah. it's it's all about the intensity it's of that How track. many singles can you cram into one record? Exactly. And so far we've gotten three. Three singles. And <laughs> and oh, and the next song is a single. <laughs> and track four, oh, Put Your Money On Me. Which I immediately jumped to Pour Some Sugar On Me. Just but that's mentally. Just the title. It's, well, well, that's because we've already said this things is, like Rolling Stones and Aerosmith. So our mindscape is, is there. The fourth track also that attempts to do a different subgenre of pop. Rock. And yep. so every single song here so far, they haven't stuck to the same subgenre and they've kept changing. And when we were talking about it earlier, I described it as rock cosplay. It's like you literally open <laughs> up your closet, you put on a song, and there it is. And so every single song, the tone is entirely different, and yet they're still doing anthems in different subgenres of rock. So instead of doing actually like, all right, well, here's, you know, the anthem. And it stands alone. It's like, oh, here's an anthem, but done kind of differently, so maybe your ears aren't exhausted. It's a great comparison because that's the only way. I mean, I, it seems conscious at this point. Like, I don't understand how someone could just flow. If you pull back, I suppose this album, yeah, it can be taken at a glance, but if you just have a, a basic knowledge of pop culture, you're going to start going back to certain things. Oh, yeah. And there seems, there seems to be no attempt, really, to introduce even that one element, barring everything else, even if you are working against the backdrop of something familiar that will entice people who already are familiar with and enjoy that backdrop, not that one extra element that is distinctive. Perhaps, perhaps his voice, but then again, look at all the people we just compared him to. Yeah. So, eh. This track does kind of go a little further back into the past. It feels more heyday classic rock kind of vibe. Still with a pop spin on it, but... 70s, 80s. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely still speaks of something from a few decades past. Um, That said, though, you know, there's still some persistences here that can be exhausting. I mean, the drums, again, here, very steady. That tambourine kills me. I hate tambourine. There's a tambourine that... Like, and and we've... And and, and truthfully, with, with tambourine, like, I've noticed that it actually be, is more diverse, or I don't mind the repetitiveness of it in folk and some other 
genres where they're the tambourine's moving a little slower or it's accenting a singer songwriter like in those moments I don't mind it as much because it's a thing it's not the thing whereas here it's just so persistent it feels like just it feels like the, just banging on a cymbal yeah, as opposed yeah. to being an accent piece yeah, and, yeah. and then the guitar the guitar does get a little bit like spicy like pepper spicy like salt and pepper kind of spicy not really like cayenne or anything like that there's a lot of S adjectives to describe yeah, there we go. <laughs> but it's sassy spicy it, it, it does start to liven up and then kind of gets dragged back down by the drums and livens up a little bit and then gets dragged back down with the drums I can't tell if it's a rhythm or lead guitar because it fluctuates between the two ideas no there was a rhythm guitar there there were the two distinctive guitars and the I rhythm, didn't hear the difference the rhythm guitar was ubiquitous throughout yeah. absolutely ubiquitous in fact you, you had pointed difference. it out John earlier yeah but and on, then there on was another I think it was the same guitar nah, 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 it just nah. felt I couldn't hear the rhythm they were doing two, quote, two separate things there was a lead but the lead was doing more effects for color. It was kind of just, you know, going up, down, down here and there. Sounding a little bit screechy at times. Um, I actually thought it was probably one of the most distinctive parts, but it's like, eh, next to what? Next to what? Like, I will admit the tambourine probably got my nerves in general, but more more in specific moments. Like, for instance, more in context of the form that at this point is bothering me just because it's the same form over and over again. Yeah. This time we had that the courtesy strip away, where everything strips down from yeah. the loud, pervasive, you know, whitewash. Now it's down to just the jangling drums, which of course is the drum right along with that tambourine. And then when you just hear it there for just steady, unchanging beats... Not even really switching it up, just on the beat, every beat. Well, I was a little bit. Well, done. we we did still have the bass being a little more interesting than than the it was rhythm. Playful. Work. It was working within the percussion line and and trying to liven it up. It was another one of those things where I don't think they were allowed to do everything they wanted to do, but the bassist showed up and See, was like, "No, no, no! I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm going to fool around with stuff." It's just that at the end of the day, the vocals weren't very unusual in this track. They kind of conformed to what was going on, and that was. That was a large draw of the first few tracks, and here he wasn't saying anything. I mean, he actually wasn't saying anything at times. I bet your body's so sweet, oh yeah. So roll your dice with my feet, oh yeah. Well, when and where our eyes meet, oh yeah. You've got that hand I can't beat, oh yeah. You just highlighted my least favorite part of the song. The chorus here really had nothing to it. And in fact, that call and response, if you can really even call it a call and response, because the only response is, oh yeah, Four times in a row. It's just, it's so empty, and the music itself isn't offering anything new. It didn't seem to hit any kind of climax as choruses should, and maybe even if it did, it just seems like it's not that impactful given that we've already kind of reached this plateau three times already. I won't lie, yeah. I have thought that lyric is so roll your dice at my feet, which makes sense. Roll your dice with my feet makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> no, it's 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 the <laughs> idea I have an explanation for I'm this. It's I like walk a mile it. in my shoes kind no, of a it's, thing. No, it's or? it's take a chance on the journey with me oh, and walk yeah, with me. I hate along. that. I know I don't like it that's either, like, but that's at, the definition. Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. And I mean as far as like yes, I as far as it being catchy drivel, like I have sang along with this song numerous times and I've always sang sang along or sang along with at my feet because it seems like the more of like the take a chance on me thing but well, it's, with my feet freak it drives me nuts you've got that hand I can't beat oh yeah then there's yeah. the follow up of so put your money on me put your money on me right but if so you put your money on me put your money like, on put, me it, put bet please, on me pay for me and and here's here's the issue <laughs> like he's talking craps he's talking cards like I don't know the the he's mixing his metaphors. The, yeah. the metaphors are too strong here. Like well, there's 
I'm not going to be that. But I mean, it still, in general, is a matter of betting. If you yeah. just kind of like there is generalize, no there. it's very straightforward. Yeah, yeah. and and ah. this is also the first song that I know that you had mentioned before, as far as the lyrics encapsulating tweets. Yes, I uh, yeah. That thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> it's it's the sort of thing that you can be distilled to hashtags in a lot of ways, especially this course. It's it's hashtag put oh your yeah. money hashtag put your money on me hashtag oh yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, no, it's, no, I can see that it's, actually. It's a little bit too concise if 140 characters no, can you, capture. You could fit your the meaning. entire song in maybe three tweets and just repeat those same three tweets over and over again, and you'd probably be under the character limit. Yeah, it's and which that's really dis- I, no. Honestly, yeah. you can capture it in the title. <laughs> yeah, put, put your, your money, money on, on me. me. That's it. Take yeah. a chance. Take it's a over. chance. That's it. The yeah. song is done. That, that, um, <laughs> and it is track five. Uh, Merry go round. That is Mary. That is the name. Right, get your slow jams out. So here. yeah, this is our first slow groove, man. It's a ballad, but For there's a violin. But, but but there's violin. Okay. Structurally, this song does though what I thought was compared to a lot of other slow jam rock songs that I tried to compare it to turned out to fail at that to a point. But it still goes big in the chorus and and I don't know the cliche upon multiple listens stood out even more like this fact that we start in a slow groove a softer voice strummy guitar and then get to that chorus and go big deliver that emotional well, impact let's start off with just the cliche of its placement on the album sure, and that it's, it's about time for this kind of track well yeah. we've had too much intensity so now we need a cool down of course they need to show that's, they're that's sensitive the you yes. mean oh we're passionate we're passionate but passionate. now we're also sensitive yeah we're throwing back to the early days of the podcast but it's not sad so very very sad. It's not even on the the song scale. It's on the album scale, and this is what's a little bit of taking me off. I mean, okay, I like actually the slow violin work that's going on here. I like that build up. And I then also you get see the simple the drums influence, by the way. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The simple drums, the simple bass, and then it starts harkening back to the album as a whole, meaning they're taking a slow groove and turning it into an anthemic slow groove, and this combination. <laughs> Just means that it's another anthem song. Yeah. And the funny because thing, when the chorus goes full rock, it goes full rock. Yeah. It goes full rock. More, more if you of will. with a little bit of like a country rock twang. Southern rock. It's almost like an Eddie Vedder attempt. Like yeah. yeah. Hello. Like, oh, just man. like that. Yeah, just like that. To my broken heart, no Soundbite kept <laughs> for posterity. There you go. That well, will exist on the internet forever now. <laughs> I'm a professional, kids. Don't try this at home. Um, we did get that rolled R. That's we the thing. did get the rolled R. I, I I enjoy the rolled R for what it's I worth. I mean, I will say the the vocals did feel heartfelt. Uh, even though the chorus was kind of put on, <laughs> it was heartfelt in the same way Spinal Tap is heartfelt, in a lark larky kind there of way, is. like parody kind of way. It was, I believe it was the next track that I actually uh, referenced Spinal Tap. But yes, no, it's appropriate here that it's it's kind of like it's just bigger I, than itself. Well, kind it's of almost thing. it's also the fact that they're kind of distilling. Rock into very nice bite-sized chunks. We yeah. started off with this is another another sub-genre. different subgenre. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's the slow, sad song of the, the rock ballad. band. Not the no, 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 not a ballad. A ballad implies it's a it's an individual experience, and it's not an individual that's making this music. It's the band, the actual struts are making this song. So it's not 
focusing on. I know what song it reminds me of. Oh no, um, "Wanted Dead or Alive" by Bon Jovi. It starts Actually, slow and then gets high drama in the chorus, and it's about the band traveling. But that's a Bon Jovi comparing song. Comparing it to being a cowboy. Also, yeah. I'll listen to that song though. Yeah, that's a fair point. This this was also this was the first song I think that uh, where the notion of an intelligent, an artificially intelligent life form, digital life form, has collected every single rock song that has ever been written smushed them all together and then pulled out bits and pieces and been like, this would be profitable rock. And there's like, there's that kind of that cold feeling of like, if I can yeah. create an idea of something, taking bits and pieces from everything that has already existed and put it back out there. It makes the album have no real soul in a way. Nope. It feels as Robots. if the album is just what it, not even what it needs to be at any particular moment, but it's just whatever it can be. Whatever it is. Yeah. Like, it's just being. It's not being for any particular reason. It's here's, just there. Here's the chorus that I dislike so much. How long before my little pill starts kicking in? How long before your broken heart starts giving in? Here we go up. Here we go down. Merry go round and round and round. Merry go up. Merry go down. Merry go round. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> Oh, brother. <laughs> Lyrics the, are not the strongest I'm, I'm suit of this I'm sad you didn't hit your best Eddie Vedder on that. I wasn't going to try. Please don't. Um, I can't. <laughs> I really just can't. But in, in this case, it's really just like, it's it's just a kick in the face, just how how just circular it is. And they're describing I mean, is, something circular. It is a merry-go-round. Yes. That, that, that's, that's separate, though. Like, here, it's just, take that, distill it, set it up, boom, it's something that's simple to go along, simple to sing along with. And then, you know, when you're doing your outro, do it like three times and boom, you have you have a full piece. You barely need a rhyming scheme in, in the verse work, so just keep the chorus nice and simple and rolls off the tongue. You write it in five minutes, you bang it out, you record it, you make money. When you have two syllables, make sure it's something harder to say and boom, you feel a little bit more deep. It's It's starting to actually piss me off. I don't like these lyrics. Like, it's really, I don't like the lyrics, and that's something that draws me to rock. The cyclical patterns of life? No, 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 no. I'm not trying to explain nope. this one. <laughs> the wheel nope. turns. Pulling it's right there. shoot on this review of this track. It's about a girl that goes story. around in a circle on her relationship. That's about as deep as it gets. No, let's reduce it even for, yeah, uh, just mm. down to the fact that this, uh, by all rights, should be a sad song on this album. Yeah. I don't even feel sad nope. during this. The I don't feel much tried. of anything. The violence tried. They tried, but his vocals sound like they're compressed through this kind of filter that, like, of all tracks, this should have been the track where he just spoke naturally. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It, right? it, it came across very, as very little, like, passion, not yeah. sadness. You want to throw in a little filter, just a little yeah. bit of reverb, just a touch to make you seem like you're alone in the universe. That, yeah. at least, would have come across. It still would have been pretty cliche, but there would have been something. Yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do here. I don't know what this is accomplishing. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of work to just bury it in the mix. Uh, let's go to track six, Dirty Sexy Money. Which, Which song? if you wanted to have a title that was on the nose, I don't think we can get more on the nose on this album. You so will far. see a stripper take off her clothes to this song. Yes. Lovely. This it's just going to happen. Intro, it's a strummy guitar chord that instantly reminded me of Boston's Peace of Mind, except mm -hmm. Boston's Peace of Mind is a way better song. It also sort of ancillarily reminded Steve of Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones, but it, they were sort of related 
ultimately it just made us both super hyped for a song that was not nearly as good and the problem about this song is that it goes into this kind of club pop territory where it's a vapid song where you want to bob your head and like it's not club pop it's club pop rock like you have to put those three words together but we were complaining before about how kind of um disingenuous the last song was i feel like this song is less is more disingenuous yeah listen listen to this sex crazed tiger full of dynamite <laughs> go fast loving at the speed of light growing she's got me going her body's glowing in bed in my bed in my bed like what how I'm done reading I, these lyrics I, I, can't, I, I don't even to. know definitely how definitely draw a sex crazed tiger full of dynamite that's just what's gonna well, happen we're gonna that have is, that, that picture for you most, as a gallery photo that's on one of the most, most incredible metaphors I've ever heard about nothing woman no, about a woman. Okay. I mean, Sex crazed tiger so, full of dynamite. That is that is the most dangerous relationship you could possibly have. Don't date tigers, kids. But, see, but here's, here's the thing. Hard, deep loving is the way she thrives. Get no sleep till the day she dies. Aching, my body's aching. The other's quaking. The ground, what a sound, what a sound. Are you ready? Are you ready? See, but we only remember the lyrics because we're reading them. And the instrumentation, like, someone tell me what the instrumentation, instrumentation was like in this song. Anybody? Well, okay. I can't heavy, heavy, heavy okay. bass work but it was more along the lines of the club scene for that full kick drum everything felt like it was working off a kick drum even when there wasn't a kick drum there and then the guitar just kind of floated in and out to provide more context to the rhythm because the melody wasn't really going on I would say this was a high intensity track for this album if it didn't feel so fake yeah so so listless in its Incessant behavior. I don't. I don't know if that really can really sum it up. But it's it's uh, well, track it's six things. on this album. I am looking for something distinctive, and I'm not finding it's it. It's just a bit disappointing at this point. There was some playing around with the vocals that I noticed because was, I was trying to latch onto something. The actual like changing of the pitch. It's something I'm still enjoying from this singer. Low sure. to high, high to low. That that back and forth. I love the fact that he can do that and, so and well, little, so fluidly. Specifically in the transition there, but I think it was between the the verse and the chorus, or maybe yeah. the chorus going back to the verse, and mm-hmm. and it it's just cut everything out, and all you hear is his vocals, and it's like I think. You called it a little, a little bit about like a tongue curl or yeah, something uh, like that. The the roll, the yeah. rollings, the it, rrr. It's kind of like a roll, but it was like really it, roundabout. And he kind of muffled himself yeah. at the same time. It was interesting, but it's so fleeting. Also, yeah, it's like it's, t- it's like two seconds, ready, yeah. and it was a great transition. It's not really content. Well, it yeah. does work within the fact that uh, the chorus itself decided to completely ignore the rock <laughs> in many ways and just go club beat. Club beat, club beat, yeah, club yeah club exactly. Beat. It just seems so bizarre. It worked. It actually worked in that. There was a. It's move your body strictly for the purpose of moving your body, not for the content. It doesn't matter what the words are, but you're gonna move to it, so just move. Well, she got money, dirty, sexy money. My high street honey, she knows what she's got because she's so shit. But hot. this is like the oh my god, I hate that line. But it's like <laughs> the most vanilla sexy song I have ever heard. It's just it's like a song about safe sex that's trying to be sexy. And it just, it's boring in how plain it is. This is the track, just to kind of start summing up the album. I know we're not, like, through it yet, actually. We're only about halfway there. We're exactly halfway. Not Not quite halfway there. The review is roughly ten times the length of the album already. It comes down to the fact, like, what was this intended for? Because there is, if you wanted pop music, then there is so much else out there, you know, in this vein. You can get stuff similar to this. And I'm wondering, like, well... 
either are you going in one direction or the other? Are you going in the direction where you want to provide something that, yeah, all right, it's kind of va vapid, it's kind of one-dimensional, but it'll get someone moving, it'll, it'll get it'll get something stuck in your head, and I feel like it's lacking the catchy element at this yeah. point. Like, earlier, uh, you were arguing for it, yeah. and I felt like it was present in at least a couple of tracks here. here. Here, I'm just simply not finding it, which means maybe it's going in the other direction, and if there was ever a case for it, and I'm only playing devil's advocate, if there was a case for it, satire. That would be the other direction, right. and this track it's just, would but it's essentially. Not apparent. But it's just not obvious. No, it enough. is not apparent, and you think. But do you have to go, let's say, Weird Al level? No, of course not. No, you do to the spinal, pull off you do the spinal tap route, which yeah. is what we all want. But we're just not really not getting. getting it. Well, and we, I mean, we don't have two lead guitarists on. I'm just trying to introduce. Two, I'm trying, trying to introduce an intellectual uh, element to our analysis of this album. Well, no, Roger Candy. And, and I'm candy. glad you bring that up. I mean, I feel like the next track even could make more mm. of an argument for that. But before we get to that, <laughs> I want to point out that we're still at a point where we're getting some some different subgenre for every song. We haven't gone back on itself yet. Yeah. And the next track does also something different. It this, goes even further back in time. It does. The, the it reason, feels... of course, only to explain based on yeah. that track is is because it seems so over the top and so generic that I'm actually having a hard time comprehending how it could have been meant to come across as sincere. It gotcha. seems like an amalgamation, and it's the first track that I feel does, uh, owing to uh, what you said about it, it feeling like a kind of algorithm, uh, that's what this track felt like, sure. at least lyrically. I mean, so, I, hear, I hear that. Um, and but I think the old Suturu, which is track seven, yeah. goes in just such a bizarre direction because it feels <laughs> like a TV. The it yeah. feels like a TV sitcom theme, and it's Scrubs again, montage. it again, unlike anything else we've gotten before. But this one feels even faker. Like you were saying, how the other one would be an yeah. example for it. This one to me feels. Like it's pretending to be happy. It's not actually happy. It's Isn't just pretending. But I, I like the way it starts, and I wanted to latch onto it so hardcore. Sure. Just the horns, the piano. I was like, oh, finally something. And then they didn't. Then no. It they pull, and then no. they pulled the old switcheroo on you. They yeah. got you. No, it was great. That as soon as <laughs> as soon as I'm getting into the horns and the piano, then yeah. the music just transforms and becomes pure punctuation. That's it. It's not even. It's not even intensity. It's just punctuation. It's just height, height, height over and over again to the beat of the drum. And I just I can't get on board on this at all. Like, no, this even, was the even first... Dirty Sexy Money like I could feel like, oh it's trying to be greasy. This is just... Well yeah, I will agree that the previous track had some entertainment value. This, I'm also on board. I just, it felt so fake and vapid. Now, what, did, what did you say about this track? What was their, uh, your end all be all? Oh, I don't know. I just felt it was <laughs> faux happy. Well, it, was, it, was three, it was three words, but it was fine. No, that's the next track. Oh, okay, never mind. That's, yeah, oh, that's, that's right. That description was the next track. Okay. Um, I, no, this this one I just feel like it, it, it gave even less because there was no catchiness. There was no entertainment. There, uh, Unless it was absolutely delivered as satire, there was no reason for it. Well, considering it. it started off with that whole like 80s sitcom feel in the beginning, yeah. it made me wonder whether this old Switzer was literally like their idea of a vaudeville act and a kind of like <laughs> mutual, I don't, I don't know, You're unrequited love. Alright, let me just Read a sample sure. of these uh, lyrics. Go for it. I know, it's gonna suffer. You're sure the one I want, but we need you to say it's alright. Cause every time we hang out, we all flirt, and it ends up in a fight. You're back with my best friend the same time that I've been loving you. He's always seen he's always seen with my girl. Why don't we do the old switcheroo? You can't stop with this feeling, oh you can't keep our hearts from beating. Cause I want what he's got, and he wants what I've got, and I know what you want. So let's trade what we've got. 
He'll be with her, and I'll be with you, and nobody's blue. How times have changed. There's nothing wrong with the old switcheroo. That is Does a flow trot. That's a flow trot point that I well, just can't follow. Like, it's three's company. It's fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. It, it is a it is a, a, a very It's about triangle. swinging, but it's just, it's the most... It's un- no, 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 no. It's not about swinging. It's I, I won't go that it's far. It's a love but it's, triangle, but it's a love, love really... It's a swap. Yeah. It's, it's a love a swap. swap. meet. But, okay, what I will say he is... He loves though, her, but she loves this guy, and he loves somebody else. You just can't win. Exactly. That's and all. so it goes. Guys, this is Shakespeare. Yeah, there we go. It's it's love hurts <laughs> in a new version. I don't know. I just feel like and I'm not this defending song, it. I'm just saying there's a this, theme. This song has loose. a narrative. It has a narrative, and I could care less. Like, I just, <laughs> oh, I know, I know. It's, well, no, it but that's what I'm saying. It's like it, it just there's nothing to invest me into what he he's actually saying something here. There's actual content, and there's nothing to make me want to care. Yes, but I did not yeah, want to break up music. PowerPoint and try to figure out what's going on right here. It's I just don't really. Care convoluted yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just back and forth this that and the other thing it, it's just it's it's a cluster of things going on instead of a flow the flow is is broken up until of course we get to the uh, obligatory obvious concert sing-along part where we're supposed to drop everything out and you know sway back and forth and try and to follow together, this yeah. flow chart Venn diagram amalgamation of random things that are going on right here and please somebody stop me because it's just it, it's just so much well, I'll just so track, much going track on. Eight. I'll it's just stop the beginning you. of the white noise that is the next six tracks. Track eight. She eh. makes me feel like. Not even a real okay. full sentence there. Okay. She I makes me feel like every other bubblegum pop alt rock song of all time. Ooh ooh. No, yeah. That's that's the summation I got for this, this one. <laughs> I think it was Katie who said it feels like something out of Shrek. Oh yeah, it's a Shrek song. It just feels like something yeah, that it's a Smash that, Mouth song. It feels like something that Smash Mouth would have done without, without their the lead singer because and without the alcoholism. I don't know. Like I just want I literally just screamed expletives at the speakers at this point. <laughs> I was so frustrated. And I rarely get like this. Like to the point where I just I wanted to throw my hands in the air, but not like I just don't care. Like I wanna punch something. <laughs> I just didn't know what to do with it. Breakfast is burning, kettle stopped working, milk in the fridge gone sour. Ignorant faces, ice on my laces, delays on the underground. Petrol is rising, leaders are lying, watching the world melt down. Signal is fading, can't hear what you're saying, my minutes are running out. She makes me feel like... What does that mean? She makes... She'll pick me up. <laughs> pick me up. I can't. I can't, I can't continue this. Actually, um, no. They got, they got wanna... political. They brought it I up, guys. That. It's getting deep. I, I love bit. the next part of the verse. Traffic is crawling. My wages are falling. So long tip my holiday. Sick of warning a different story. And this is that right there I got pissed off because it was another established rhyming scheme that they completely throw out for a word. And it's not even like there's a mispronunciation to make it sound <laughs> like it rhymes, but it's just sick of the warning, a different story. <laughs> and it actually disrupts the flow of an incredibly steady song. And that is a feat Maybe that was the point. But right it is, there. It is once again sort of the kind off. of thing yeah. that you can literally say in just one metaphor. She makes me feel like I don't care about anything else in the world that's going on right now and all this other crap. That's it. That's it. That's yeah. that song is done. You don't need to go into all of this stuff. Um 
once again, it's not full-blown satire because I would see these cliches just leaping out. This is something that that Weird Al Yankovic wouldn't have the balls to do because he'd say, "I don't think I'm. I don't think there's anything particularly humorous here. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. no comedy, and it's, it's just, not something that it's not something that tracks. a band. Uh, not to point fingers, but all right, the one we always point fingers at. Fun, you know. Yeah. If you're gonna go in themic pop and whatnot, fun with a period. Uh, it's not something they would have the balls to do because they wouldn't think they'd be able to get away with something just as plain as this. At least they, they have higher production values. Well, they can throw in things. It doesn't just feel... It, it feels so lonely. Like, there's no investment for anybody in this song. It feels like the song exists outside of what the band is putting into it. Like this is what Valium sounds like. Yes, actually, no. That yeah, was, that was, that was, was the best. Way that was exactly what it was. Hello. It's yeah, just... I agree. It's and it's not a loneliness that I'm feeling because of of the musician. It's just lonely. Like I, I want to shelter this song and give it a better home to raise it up and be a, a better than what it's it's set out to be. Because it's just, it tries to say something, and and that's something I think that this album. It might be the first time they're really doing it. They're trying to say something. Oh, and, they've been trying. Well, no, but what they've been trying to say is a lot of I'm awesome. Have sex with me. This is not, I'm, this is actually speaking to someone that fills a void in their lives. It fills a void in, in the protagonist's life that when she's around, he feels whole again. Oh, but oh, it's, oh. Do we have an album theme working toward maturity, going from really, really like, you know, No, because there's concept? no jump to this. Like, it, it goes from, okay, Well, so, we start off with, with pure brazen confidence, and then finally we're into uh, the flirting well, stage, and we now we're pure, into maybe real love. We, had we brazen don't know. confidence through the previous seven tracks. Here, this is something that's like you complete me. It's it's full Jerry Maguire. Well, the it's, album the album is called Everybody Wants. Essentially, it is kind of just this this amalgamation of everything. And maybe it is that maybe that's the whole thing. This is algorithmic in terms of the way he sees how everyone goes through the stages of of liking someone, loving someone, losing someone. Who knows? I'm just saying. All right, a fair point. Doesn't, I think it doesn't defend it because I don't think the medium is particularly you know. Still too early for summations, but I get what you're saying. It's I, there. It's there. It, it's it, there. It's, it's definitely there. Let's move on to track nine, Young Stars. Oh so, my god, another anthem! Yeah, so we go back to a sound <laughs> from the earlier part of the record. This is the first time they're kind of repeating on themselves a bit. But, but we, we get another rock anthem, though. But, 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 the guitar does something. And I mean, it actually does something. Mm -hmm. it, when it first steps in, and there's a fairly the fairly usual build that we're expecting, but when it first does step in, it's it's a little bit dissident. It's a little bit like rock, as opposed to fitting the role of being yeah. a rhythm. It's not being completely in line with the drum work. It's not being completely in line with the vocal work. It's providing context. This is the first time I can say this on the album. There's context with an instrument. Context with what, though? <laughs> with, what it's, it's, it's working off of the high register of the vocals. Like, at least the vocals eh. here are being a little more dynamic eh. again. They're not as, like, bland as the last three tracks had been. Here we're getting his warble again, the theatricality and the delivery. At least there's some entertainment value here. What again. I will say on his vocals in this track, though, and as much as this, as far as this anthem, like, you know, it pumps you up and it's fun. And especially, and I love those damn, the R rolls are amazing. Yeah. 
But what he's blatantly trying to do in a Freddie Mercury sense here set, comes across as almost like a bad Christopher Walken impression. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this is where he goes too far in the trying to be Freddie Mercury that it ends up turning into a weird caricature. There was yeah. a transition here, another one, another strange chord shift, which was stark again within, for this album, it was stark. Maybe we hadn't seen something that stark since the first track. And it was something like straight out of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Um, and, so the, and there was a the vocal. Swells. It was it's too obvious. Well, yeah, and also the like the transition from um, chorus to verse was hit, doing a vocal like, whoa, kind of a thing. <laughs> not nearly as broken as that, but for sure not as well delivered as Freddie Mercury either. It just, it felt... I don't want to say forced. It just felt odd or short. awkward. A little it short. short. It felt Fleeted. like it was there to be a transition as opposed to feeling like a natural transition. transition That's yeah. why I'm actually yeah. going to go back on, on what you were trying to say before, John. I think if you were trying to, like, the, the context thing, like, through the vocals, you kind of have more context for the other instruments. And I don't know if no, that's necessarily... through the guitar, you're having a little more context for the for vocals. The, oh, it's okay, different. okay. That excuse way. me, excuse me. Um, eh, I still don't agree. <laughs> only, because, <laughs> only because I think that it's... I think that the vocals were kind of taking over here. It's like at least at least you have something to latch on to. Yes, of course you're identifying things that may take you back to other places, nostalgia points, but still it is clearly the strongest element here. And I don't think the rest of the instruments were really holding up. I don't know, the kick drum in this track I do genuinely enjoy. It is repetitive as hell, but for it just drives the whole song continuously. And well, that, and <laughs> That uh, previous track with the go growing up aspect, I we got the confidence back from the very first lines. I guess to show you the like the mutability of these kinds of things, because like we were saying the same thing about the tambourine earlier, and that was a negative error for some reason. So that's it's, that's yeah, why yeah. context it's is context. important. It's yeah. the back and forth. But I really did kind of eh, maybe not latch on to this song, but it was something that honestly, if it was one of the first three tracks, I think we would have really enjoyed. We also might have been exhausted at that point, because then that would have been getting three exhausted. Str- right? yeah. I mean, yes, that also. But well, he never, he never gave up. He never yeah. gave in. He kept on running because he knew he'd win. Like I said, the comp- well, because <laughs> he was born for it. He was ready to go. I don't know. I f- hashtag. I, I, I feel like it. yeah. I, f- I feel like the, 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 the lyrics on this album, but <laughs> at this point and probably through the end, are very digestible, very straightforward, which is probably on purpose if we're going to continue to entertain the algorithm thing. I like this song at least because after the last three tracks, I just felt so kind of listless. Here at least I was having fun again. It was probably only fun by comparison, but I was at least there was entertainment again, which is what I had come to this band for in the first place after the first several tracks. You saw shades or dare I say pastels of Queen. Yeah, and that's that was enough for me. <laughs> well, it's just the coral. That's it's the color equivalent of coral. Fair exactly. point. Ooh. Track uh, 10. Black Swans. So it's Another different vocal performance. And mm. also another kind of Bring it down, kind of chill out. Well, moment. it was quote unquote introspective. Sure, he was trying to peer at at what's on the inside, and it was very brief and very short lived, because it has the same drums. It it has it has the same pretty much everything of of so much with a with one little caveat, and that was that like synth keyboard solo that shows up later on that kind of yes just, it's, I a, like it's, that. it's 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 identifiable for the track <laughs> I itself. like that <laughs> that's, yes, that's, it was good. that's where my criticisms that's at today 
I liked that. I liked that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the, his vocals did have a grit here that we hadn't really heard before. But the, the problem with that, though, is that the entire performance of the song hinges on the vocals. The yeah. guitars are completely lost in the mix because it's the same thing that you were saying earlier is that both of the guitars are practically playing rhythm. There is nothing happening in this song that is not his vocal performance. That's true. There's even yeah. the part where the drummer finally gets a break. He gets to rest his arms, like, finally. <laughs> and it's just the vocals. And it really is the only part where anything cuts out is when the vocals have something to say that is the same thing they've already said, but now must be more forceful. So everything cuts out, boom, and then drummers come right back in, and the arms are falling off again. With, with like, the bridge that is the Karate Kid yes, montage. The, uh, oh, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the, 80s. The, that's that synth so, uh, 80s, solo work. Yes, yeah. it's, 80s Kung Fu bridge. 80s Kung Fu bridge. All right, well, let's Which, get into his life a little bit here, then. <laughs> I was a boy from the hills. I ran so much before she came. Then I saw you. We grew up together. You were just the same. We fell in love oh so desperately against your family's will. We planned to run away, she said to meet me at night on the hill. They'll never find us, is what she said. We, we could have made it out, but in the night they sold her life. Now there's nothing more than this, a lonely sky amongst the mist. Amongst the mist. That's an interesting little... Anyway, now you're gone, my black swan. I know there's nothing left to say, but if you ever fly my way, sing your song. Now you're gone. Love so strong. See, but, my black swan. Yeah, but, okay, no, no, no. That is, <laughs> I don't mean. I don't mean. That's a distillation laugh. of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, but the lyrics. Uh, what they do? Do they sell her into slavery? Like I don't. But the tibble. But the uh, lyrics. Sound like yeah. But the way that Steve delivered the lyrics here felt heartfelt. Yeah. Yeah, but I was really upset at how just vapid everything is. There's no. There's no meaning. It's just. Yeah, I love you, you love me, and it's it's a heartbreaking story because we can't be together, but then we are together, and then we're not together, and then just make up your mind. Like, I don't know, it, I think you're... This is an attempt at tragedy. No, but I, I think you're... I think you're overreacting to what it's trying to deliver. I think the fact is there's content in the lyrics themselves. It's just completely bogged down in the rest of whatever the hell is going on. No, the content, there's content, but it's not good content. Sure. Right out there. Okay, but the content is better without everything else. Like, I enjoyed listening to Steve read the lyrics. I did not care about it when it was in the song as much. I have a good voice. It's very lovely. Thank you. The lyrics are just so oversimplified, and it's a story I've heard a thousand times before, and you just don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that it's not good. It's I just tight. enjoyed it more sans everything else. Mm-hmm. Good okay. or not. Yeah. That's interesting because we had so many cases recently where the lyrics were kind of just secondary and we were yeah. like, we don't really need this. It's not really filling out a role. The instrumentation is really where it's at and yeah. this is the exact opposite. It is, yeah. All right. Let's go to track 11. These times are a-changing. Actually, they're just changing. And yeah, it's, no, not it's not a cover. It's not, no, the, it's not the original. The, this I is know. the first time, like I'd mentioned the Rolling Stones earlier because it's hard not to with all of the other things we were throwing around. Here's the first time it kind of really sounds like it, at least in the kind of way the strutty kind of rhythm of the song moves. I was kind of faux You were getting into jaggering. Your, your jagger there. I was yeah. jaggering around. Got the bent bit. elbows and everything. Yeah. Beyond <laughs> that, though, they straight up mention the Rolling Stones they in do. the lyrics of yeah. the song. It's the, I made it to the stage, I've done a thousand shows, let's see how far it goes. I've been to New York City, I've met the Rolling Stones. Mama, she cannot buy me your weight in gold. Like, it's, there's even, no even On real reason to it. Yeah, well, right. it's, it's, it's some of the other things that are said here that really do start scratching my head. I've started at the bottom, I've dreamed about the top. I've been the man I am and who I'm not. 
That that's curious. That's that's nice and deep and almost good lyrics. Oh, yeah, I know. No, it's not. No, it's no, not. See, see, no here's the whole thing. No. It's, it's just it's it's this is rote speak. This is <laughs> this is just well, I have to do opposites. So bottom and top, I am who I am and I am not who I am. Thanks, Dr. Popeye. Seuss. There you go. That's exactly yes, I am <laughs> what I am. It's it's exactly Dr. Seuss. That's it's one fish, two fish. It's the back and forth. There's really it's just contrasts. I feel like I've danced in the ring, I've fallen to the floor. I mean this it's just purely rhyming and, and lyrics by contrast. That's all it is. Yep. And then the whole second half of the song is again just back to the tweets. It's the same Oh, tweets. I know these times are changing. Back and forth. They're changing. Shit's point, gonna get heavy. Time's can, changing. I mean, changing. Changing. Steve mentioned earlier that you can only kind of have so much upbeat before it gets exhausting. That and tambourine's back. I think That's that right. here... Sorry. Like, the thing about this song <laughs> is where other songs were upbeat with something else. Like, there was either vocals that I liked or there was an instrumentation that I enjoyed. Here, it's upbeat, and that's all I could really say for it was the strutty nature. One wonders why upbeat is even the choice throughout all this, because there clearly is more in the lyrics. (coughs) Granted, in the beginning, the lyrics of the beginning of the album, that is, the, the lyrics really do present that everything's just fine and dandy and you have a lot of hopes for the future and all that. But then later in the album, the lyrics start hinting that there's a lot more strife. Clearly, things are wanting to be overcome. But But it's like... I don't hear this in the music at all. The music never stops. It's it's veneer of 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 happiness. I don't Yeah. That seems like a weird contrast. I mean, because there's not anything here in the lyrics that are presenting any kind of repression to suggest no. that it's not something he would actually, you know, the- emote. Why aren't you emoting? It sounds well, no. like they just walked into the studio and just like, I feel fine. It's Let's a sugar high. Yeah. Well, there's, there is an emote in there. And I'm talking about actually like, you know, colon parentheses kind of emote. His voice has a very interesting little bit of flair at the end of some of the phrase work where it starts high and does a nice long drop to the bottom, which is used to end a lot of the like chorus phrase work that's the standard kind of drop All right, because we're I'll about admit, to go into something His else. vocals are the one element musically. The melodies definitely have something to it. It's just yeah. the backdrop. It, see, it feels like there was very little thought between marrying the two. No, yeah, and I think that also at this point we're getting tired of He's not jumping subgenres anymore. He's going back on subgenres we had before, which is not necessarily inherently bad on a record that changes it up. Like if you're going back to a previous subgenre but doing it a little differently or doing some because subgenres even have a breadth of variety, but it's not even that. It's the same thing in the same subgenre at the same tempo with the same rhythm with the same vocals. It's 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 literally déjà vu. I'm not going to say these tracks are identical to each other, sure. but in at a at a glance they can seem indistinguishable. Similar, yeah. You have to be really paying attention, and then even if you are paying attention, I think I think you have to ask yourself the question: like, what do, what is the reward yeah. for you really paying attention and? picking apart those little variances because I'll tell you right now I got very exhausted by it just as of track one I, I yeah. picked that apart I had very little very little to dive into in track two and by the rest I mean it's it's rare on this album that they do decide to go back down that little rabbit hole of of, of chordal intrigue um, but we might get that t- toward the end of the album I, I, I have a hard time really summarizing this particular track uh Let's go to track 12, Only Just a Call Away. All right, this is the one moment, as I was saying, toward the end of the album, we do get some 
bits in the instrumentation and the chords that were kind of interesting. I really liked the organ crescendo here in the beginning. First of all, this is because it's a new instrument. I don't think we really heard an organ at any other point on this album, so that in itself, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a new instrument. Great. Um, and this, it's got this delicate crescendo. It just starts getting a little bit louder here and there. So it's one of, once again, the few tracks on this album that are a little bit pared down. We only had that one in the middle, uh, one in Black Swan, and, and, and this one. And in this case, the vocals really are standoutish with this organ backdrop, yep. with the way the drums come in, and they don't immediately drown everything out. And that was refreshing. That was like, yes, percussion being used to punctuate, but not as like, you know, a run-on period sentence. This is percussion that's like bringing force to to emotions. And then all of a sudden, at 40 seconds into the song, we are back at an anthem. Yeah. yeah. Didn't take them long, did they? Even all the right. reimagining, quote-unquote, reimagining in verse 2 is, the the organ is dead, the, the percussion's oh, there, the rhythm guitar it. is just... <laughs> It's it, not the organist. The organ. The oh, organ. No, they they shot the organ. Yeah. Like the yeah. organist actually wandered in there as a mistake, and it was this wonderful happy accident. And then they finally they looked at the, but like, wait, you don't work here, do you? And you they just go. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, man. I don't know. Yeah. I good think things. for me, this song is like it's just con- continually, perpetually hammering home what's grating on me about this album. And now that said, like. At, at, at a broader glance, I'm, I enjoyed the record. I remember on the first couple of lessons just kind of grooving along, but I think I hazed out in the middle on the songs that I didn't really like, and even towards the end, it wasn't super memorable. The first track, super memorable. I really love that track. Honestly, I would recommend that track. It's just, it's something that's really drawing me in, but by the time we get to track 12, I'm just like, I did what Steve did. I was stoked about the organ, and then it barely lasted, and then it drives yeah. into what we've been expecting. The, especially that chorus. It, it's another trick. It's a whole new mm-hmm. trick, but it's another trick that I love in pop because it's high, high, something, something, something. High, high, something, something, something. <laughs> a very rote version yeah. of of uh, singing a chorus. Just punctuation in the beginning and mumble out something at the end. This, this just... It sets the obvious tone for the rest of this track because as soon as it steps in in the first chorus you know the organ's gonna get murdered that it's not showing up later on in the track you know it's not gonna be introspective which I'm not using with quotes this time this time it actually was you know a little bit of soul searching it's, it starts all that you want is love I can't provide and no matter what I try feels like I'm falling cause I'm leaving home one more token I'll be gone I'll be sitting in all these ashes till the morning that is the deepest this album has got. The most words in a song, period. It's, it, it's yes, <laughs> but it's actually like heartfelt. And mm-hmm. the backup, the, the vocalist, could easily do so many of these tracks with this heartfelt nature if it wasn't just wall of sound backing them off. And then the chorus comes in, it's wall of sound again. It's infuriating that it's this... this little gem of a phrase, 40 seconds, could be on this album. Let me read a little more because we are in the final stretch here, and I want to see if there's anything. I can just pin a tail to this donkey of an album. When the sun comes from the west, that's where you'll find my silhouette, or ride a cloud come back to you without a warning. Warning. Don't speak, because it only makes my heart bleed. No matter what you say, I'll only be just a call away. I need to know that I've got you with me. No matter what they say, I'll just be a call away. Close your eyes in the night, and I'll be right in front of you. So sit back, enjoy the view until morning. When the sun comes from the west, that's where you'll find my silhouette. Or ride cloud. 
come back to you without a warming warming and then there's a lot of repetition till the end it's uh sweet at this point it seems like we've kind of come full circle on this faux maybe never was a relationship kind of thing yeah, uh, but the, the, there was all the little optimism and flirtation in the beginning. I'm just going off what I was predicting before. I still yeah. think it's there. It's loose, um, but it is some semblance of thematic arc for this album. Yeah, but but Wouldn't actual know musical arc is kind of confusing. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, anyone else have anything to say about the song, or can we this, go to the final track? Well, this this song just the last a final yeah. note on it. It really kind of this is where it. Brought up an idea to me that then going back really applies to every single song is a sense of instant gratification that comes from every single one of these songs. If you listen to it, you're given it within the first 40 seconds. Yeah. Like, all right, now I can just, you know, I can yell along to it. I got to the part where I get to sing. This kind of feels like group karaoke of where you show up and <laughs> yeah. it's like, all right, good, good. Okay, I'm happy to watch this one person for a little bit, but when's it my turn? When's it my turn? When is my name going to be called? I, put, yeah. I wrote my name on a little piece of paper. When do I get to play? When do I get to be important? What about me? And all of the songs kind of get this very like. That's how each and like, every section treats itself. Feel. Yeah. Because the the chorus or the the actual verse has almost no meaning, and it almost always instantly gets back to the chorus or back to the reprise of just you going, "Yeah, I get to sing now. I get to sing for the rest of the song." It's become actually almost like an archetypal uh, e- example to the effect of why I I talk so much about progressions of tracks yeah, and yeah. why formulaic I know that's it's cliche to say alright it's so formulaic but this is why it bothers me fundamentally because it's doing so little with the potential for so much yeah. everyone has a distinct thing to say they all everyone has their own voice they have their own little plight and I can see it just creeping through the words here and it's so much more successful in this case in the lyrics than it is in the music the music is just it just seems like it's there uh, it's just built around the lyrics, and I don't think too much thought was was placed into the overall path, the overall mm-hmm. arc. It's just it's just along for the ride, and they yes. they go into choruses on a dime as as radio play dictates. Yep. Let's go to track thirteen. The Where last did one. she go? Where did she go? No question mark. Say it like a statement. Yeah, Where did she go? Where did she go? This song is curious to me and to actually have something that makes me curious on this album I guess is saying something I feel like this song just seems like we've had final songs not feel like they have a place on the record this one seems even more confusing I mean it's a pop rock song but just it feels unlike anything else that we'd heard so far which I guess is good Again. well what was great is that we're now getting another shade of grey in, in the 13 shades of gray that is this album it's it's another okay this is the point where i completely jumped off the rails while listening to this album as a group and somewhat by myself this is the undifferentiated material which comprises pop rock it is at its core this 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 album just everything that pop rock represents and this song is no different it's just another side of it it's a it's a side that we may not have seen already, and it musically fulfills the criteria of being a pop rock song. But once again, we're not really getting a marry between the theme of the album or the emotion of the, the lyrics or the emotion of the vocalist, along with the insensitive rhythm that we get, the, the lack of real melody here, because that's, that's one thing that's been bothering me this entire album. The melodies are 
weak to non-existent. Um, no, I would actually disagree with that. I think the melodies have been pretty good, um, only maybe because his voice is so good. I can, I can. That, that's a tough line to walk, and I understand that. We often do when we say, like, oh, well, I like the vocal quality, but I don't think the melody is really good, but I think there's something there, at least in, in, in the inflection. And I think in this case, maybe you have some point uh, in, in that his inflection is actually carrying the melody, and it makes me think there's more to the melody itself. But I still think some of the melodies um, vastly exceed everything else. It's just... Uh, back to that context question, it's hard to really ap fully appreciate them when everything else is kind of either drowning them out or claiming as if they're going to be the more important section. Oh, okay, instruments don't claim things, yeah. but but when you really think of like if if one makes a bit they of emotion, step into the forefront, yeah, a yeah. step into the forefront, you like a bass that was there like. 10 tracks ago. Exactly. You expect that that's out. going to be a prominent yeah. feature. Then all of a sudden it takes you away from the vocals yeah. a little bit. Could be a good move. You never know. You got to develop that. And they usually don't. So now all of a sudden you have to kind of recoup, re rethink where you're going. And I guess go back to those vocals. But now your focus has already shifted around the song. It's not that like give you so much to, to look at that you're, you know, you're meandering so much that it's like, oh, this is, this is just a mess. But instead that it's not a cohesive thing. Because it's not cohesive, then when you're looking at separate things simultaneously, you don't really get a product. You get those individual components, like what John was talking about before, just the building blocks of an album and not the album. One, a, a funny thing that it, it tends to move into lyrically as well is that if you decide that this, tra or that this entirety of an album is a story in any way, shape, or form, of where you have this cocky kind of rock god, like, I'm gonna bang whoever I wanna bang, you're gonna do it, it's gonna be awesome, I'm a rock star, and you get that kind of thing for the first half of the album, and then all of a sudden you start getting these like, oh, but there's so much love, and I'm so lonely kind it's of It's a tracks. rom comedy, yeah. It is, but then you get, you finally get to this, this last track, and it spins it on the, oh, well, the girl broke my heart, and that's what happened, and you get these lyrics of these, you know, like, um... It's like, because love can be so blind, and I was just too kind, and she thinks I'm fake, and everybody knows, and I was all for it, but then she stung like a hornet. When she seeps me, I'm sure it will be the last. Now I'm singing. And Jeez, it's just, And it's one of these things of where all, like, all this, like, rock star playboy nonsense and bravado that's been the entire thing, and all of a sudden, you know, the girl hurt him, and then it justifies this attitude. And it's a cyclical sense of, like, oh, I'm gonna go right back to the way that I was, because I was better then. <laughs> and you, but at the same time, the song is a freaking romp like it's that like Darn face value Ryan, like all the mom. time don't don't you put him in that movie he's no he's already been it. in that movie. i know he has but he has grown <laughs> <laughs> he was in the nines it was a damn good artsy film uh, okay i don't know i just feel like this song i agree with I'm katie kidding. it just seems so out of place for the uh, the very loose narrative this album was building for me very loose are we gonna? Are we done with this one? I I'll like start the wrap up. I have a great, great okay. Go for story it. to tell Take us here. into it, please. When, when I was a child, child, I was given Legos, and what I could create out of those Legos <laughs> is a series of different things. But if you're only given ten different Legos, there's only so many different combinations you can get. Here we have ten Legos. We have a couple different rhythms, a couple different bass lines, a couple different guitar lines, and. You, you have the weird stuff, which is the vocals. The vocals are the most standout-ish thing on this entire album. And like Steve said, the melody relies on this vocals, but the melody is nothing without them. And that is a big problem. The complement of, of instrumentation with the vocal work doesn't sell it. The complement of 
kind of interesting bass work with incessant drumming doesn't sell it. The disconnect between what the lyrics are trying to say in the later tracks and what the music is saying is is just a problem. There's so many different problems, yet at the end of the day, for all the rage I have at this album, which is substantial for how inoffensive it is, I didn't dislike it. Like, that's the weirdest part. It's so digestible that you it's hard to really dislike it. It's so non-offensive. It's so sugary sweet, just your basic salt and pepper shaker. You can't dislike it. I just am never going to go back to it. It's one of those, oh, okay, well, I now have the music form of what pop means. So if I ever need a reference, a cheat sheet, I can come back to this. And that's that's really what it is at the end of the day. It's It's technically music and just the barest of bones. 2.25. All right. Um, Steve brought this up earlier, and I actually think it was a really good point, so I'm going to steal it. Unless he uses it later, then we'll have a mutual bond. It's All sort right. of like a, like a this weekend is, relationship. We always talk about with One Hit Wonders, like my favorite reference is Candy by Robbie Williams, because it was a song that I was proud to infect my podcast mates with. It's so catchy, and this is like the epitome of a one-hit wonder. The rest of the album had some good stuff, but that was like the one-hit wonder song. Even though he clearly was not, he's had multiple albums. But we always talk about, you couldn't really have an album of those songs. It would be too much. But Steve pointed out, that's what this album is. It's the far end of that, that, that nightmarish scenario we created of an album of one-hit wonders. What would you do with that? How do you, you know, parse that? And it, it, it's just one of those things where there is exhaustion in this album for me, and there are moments where I truly get tired of everything it's throwing at me. But that said, in the right mindset, or just a mindset where I want something like for my commute, or like I want something that I can kind of tune out a little bit, I can't imagine not listening to this because it's in a, like John said, it's inoffensive, it's catchy, and and parts of it do draw you in. So. I don't, I don't hate it by any means. I, I, I like it, but there are definitely low points. The middle, the middle three tracks that we bellyached about, um, six, seven, and eight, I, I don't really like. I think on an album scale, I can glaze them over and I'll listen to them. But like, as a whole, like the, the, the really cool tracks that I really dug, even though they were bare bones, I still kind of got wrapped up in. There is nothing to say for theme or arc, especially musical arc. It's just all over the place. Um, but but yet the, uniform, yet uniform, yet fair, so uniform within a very specific block, I think. The the narrative is just so bare bare bones, even more bare bones, I think, than the actual instrumentation. That I feel like I just can't rate it super high. But that said, I'm not going to tank it either. It's better than some of the department store stuff we've heard. And that could only be because it speaks to my taste. It might not be because it's actually better. Um, it could just be because it's doing something in glam rock, which I have a guilty pleasure for, or just a pleasure for, since we try to drop the guilty part. You know, I, I like Poison. I don't. I listen to their greatest hits. I don't have all their albums, but I like Poison. It's fun, silly, and over the top. And I get the same kind of thing from this. So for that, I can put it at an even three. It's not a three five. It's not average. It's below average, but it's not. I'm not tanking it. It's a three. It it's there, and it's one of those there albums that I kind of like. Um, 
Well, thank you for bringing up my earlier point. I'm actually, I, I was not going to bring that up in my wrap-up, so I'm glad you brought it up because sure. it needed to be said. Um, so I'm going to go a different way with this. Uh, two, three years ago, when we wrote articles for the Crash Course Podcast, we don't do that now because <laughs> I write way too many articles for the other side I write for uh, ClassicAlight.com. Shameless pits. check out my interview with David, Cro- uh, David Harrington of Kronos. That's the second time I've done that on this podcast where I called him David Kronos because I wanted to... Fuse his name with his like, oh, with his quartet, and that's that's an awesome name for a quartet. So yeah, check oh, out check out Steve Nagel, uh, classical light. Anyway, um, but when I did write those articles for, I brought in a little feature from Vsauce. Will we ever run out of music? And it gave us some pretty mm, depressing values that we might actually run out of music, considering that really the permutations that we use for music only use so many building blocks as John bl- brought up in, in, in kind of, you know, parsing it down to 10 Legos. Well, it's not quite 10 Legos, but all things considered, if you really just look at the combinations in, like, one measure, uh, the combinations of, 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 of notes and, and accents, you're really only going to be able to put out stuff like this for another 200 years. That's scarily finite. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Terrifyingly <laughs> finite. And the only way I can accept... This album, because I know that it had some catchy parts, but I wasn't feeling it as much as you guys were. I, I just, I feel like I've heard catchier, and this was just always lagging behind in some way. Even in the parts where I'm like, all right, all right, all right, I'm getting on board, but, but no, no. It's just like this this parabola that doesn't quite meet its, meet its mark before it starts falling down again. And I felt like that each and every time we hit a catchy section, each and every time we hit a catchy song, and that's kind of how I feel about the album as a whole. Um, the, 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 uh, the tracks that were, actually, that were actually different from this album, the tracks that actually took a little bit of a, 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 a dive, and I mean that in terms of being more pared down, theoretically, quote-unquote, more emotional and down-to-earth, they didn't do it for me at all. Yeah. I, it, it's, I think we're all on the same page for that. Flat-out failed all across the board there. <sighs> If that's the case, then basically the only way I can accept this album as some form of high-minded art is if it is actually an essay on the ubiquity of music. Um, so I'm going to give this the rather unique rating of a 1.9. Wow. wow. I think it's just not quite bad. Uh, it, like it doesn't sell me on enough. It's it's back to the thing I said earlier. I don't see, I don't see the satire, and I I don't quite, I can't just shamelessly immerse myself in this album as much as you. And maybe that's just down to taste. Sure. I've heard too much of this in the past five ten years. Fair point. That the the parts where it succeeds yeah. do not justify it on the album's scale for me. All right. One point nine. Um. I'm gonna say sometimes. But thanks for the pick. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> sometimes analyzing your Great candy time. is just a bad idea. Like if you sit there yeah. and you eat like a four-pound bag of gummy bears, you don't want to read the nutritional value on the back of the bag afterwards when you realize that you've ingested four pounds of just yeah. sugar. And that's exactly what this album is. And it's like I can straight up say. Sitting here and shit-talking the album has been great, but at the same time, I know that the next time I'm live-streaming art, I'm going to put this back on, and I'm going to jam out to it, and people are like, what the hell are you listening to? I'm like, I'm listening to Garbage, and it's not actually the band Garbage, which I'd probably get props for. <laughs> and so, it, But it's one of those things of, it is just sugar, and it's brainless, and 
weirdly uplifting and inspiring, and I want to drive 90 miles an hour down the highway and listen to it. <laughs> and then maybe that's get fair. into a car crash. I've said that many times in this pod. Like, that's that's actually how I rate good music. Yeah. If you're going to get into a car crash, too, if that's I the last thing you want to hear That is absolutely wrong. That just... is not what I want to listen to when I die. Like, oh, this will be like the, like the kind of the scare, and then I go, I can't ever listen to this song again. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to severely hurt myself. I've had that exact experience. <laughs> so at least we know what we're looking for. Yeah, but it's 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 definitely, it's it's a 2.5 in the overall, like the real music. But it's it's candy, it's fluff. It makes you feel sticky and uncomfortable and have a stomach ache. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I... What was the was, rating again? Was the number? I think 2. it's 5. really a 2.5. I think 5. I was super op- optimistic on this album. No, you stay at three. It's okay. You can be different. No, but, no I no, was too. I, I, actually talking about it, Brown. Catchiness, will, if, if it is catchy to you, it deserves what you gave it. Yeah. Um, I think maybe I could say a three. I probably joined you on the three. Really. Who knows? Maybe with more more listens, uh, I, I could come you around with this it. on, uh, on the end of year angrier. review. You're going to get angry. You never know. You never know. I will. I'm a three. You're officially popping I will say. And I still enjoy it. I know I'm going to listen to it again. It's a sure. I will say it's interesting because I think they're all they're they're all good musicians. Yeah. They all have they're all good. Like this is probably the best group of musicians that I've ever rated solo. Yeah. Yes. And it's all because <laughs> they're working. That's one of the reasons why I they, don't. Their choices. I don't they're hate not. It. They're not taking any risks. Yeah. And that's that's Fair point. why they can do better. They this are not robots. Of, all right. It's well. like it's like high school level. And it's a high like, school talent show. Yeah. All right. Mm. Moving on. Um, I disagree with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to debate this anymore. I think we spent it's enough time on it as it is. Um, let's start to wrap things up. Um, Katie, I want to thank you for bringing the album and for joining us. Before we let you do your plugs and, and talk a little bit more about yourself before we wrap up completely and do our sign-off, Steve, you must have spam mail for us. Uh, I must? Well, that's unfortunate because I don't. What? I'm sorry, fortunate, right? I'm so used to just, I'm, I'm close to my spam. You have to understand that. Do so we have an actual we email today? fan mail. <gasps> of course, it is not listener from mail. a brand, yes, listener mail. Um, fan gets my hackles up. Uh, didn't used to, you <laughs> traitor. Shave those hackles. Throwing us under the bus there. Anyway. All right. This is actually <laughs> from an old friend of Crash Chords podcast, and that is Jose. A.K.A. Knockjaw. A.K.A. Knockjaw. He uh, recommended uh, Ohio by Daryl back in episode 114. He also recommended uh, The Great Pretenders by Mini Mansions back in episode 158. Well, he wants to... Give us two albums now. Wow. And we don't know exactly what we're going to do yet, and this is not uh, the, the week that we're going to be doing this next because we have a couple stuff on the lineup, but we, we just want to throw around some of the ideas uh, that he put out there. Hey, Crash Crew, might there be a rule against requesting album reviews for material that has yet to be released to the public? I ask because I'd like to request a pair of things for potential discussion that actually release on the same day, April 1st. However, I'm afraid this isn't a preemptive attempt to poke fun ahead of the day that you're actually expected to poke fun. Sorry. Uh, The two albums I have in mind are The Last Shadow Puppets, Everything You've Come to Expect, and The Heavies, Hurt and the Merciless. They're two of my favorite bands, uh, but my head was splitting over which to request for an album review, so I'm submitting them both. I hope it's not too much trouble. I'd prefer the Puppets release uh, for the review over The Heavies, but that's not my decision to make, if at all. Uh, Always the humble Jose. Thanks again for all the work you guys pour into this podcast. Much love. Love, Jose. Thanks, Jose. Now, I have personally have gotten only slightly into the heavy. So, Shortchange Hero is yeah, a great song. Which I was featured in Borderlands 2, right? Uh, which I actually heard before I heard it from the opening track, but I've 
gotten a lot of good music out of Borderlands. So I'm I mean, okay with that. I, I remember going back to that album by The Heavy and not liking the other tracks as much as Short Change Hero, but Short Change Hero is like another one of those like One Hit Wonder style kind of really catchy songs. No so I, I, I would lean towards The Heavy only because I'm familiar no, with I them. No, I actually wanted to say, I want to follow up with, I kind of don't want to do The Heavy because I'm familiar with them. And you I've never heard of the Shadows. Well, right? I have a little information on the, uh, the last Shadow Puppets and it's another Alex Turner project. Oh, Alex cool. Turner, of course, who was behind the Arctic Monkeys, which yes. we reviewed in episode 66, and I believe spurred Jose's getting into the band, as yeah. he told us. Um, and then, uh, did we do another Alex? Oh, that's right, Mini Mansions was yeah. the other Alex Turner project, where he worked with Mini Mansions or something We're like that. We're gonna have a connection a to the Arctic Monkeys in my album choice for this week, too. Very interesting. For next week, rather. All over the place here. Uh, and I believe, uh, unless this was a, a stray piece of uh, incorrect internet info, that this was supposed to be some kind of ode to a couple of... Uh, old bygone bands and some recently bygone artists, one including David Bowie. Interesting. So uh, that would be very interesting, considering we said that we were not going to do David Bowie's Black Star because it would be a little bit inappropriate uh, after his death. But if we were to get an ode to David Bowie in some form, and again, I'm only going off hearsay here, that would be kind of awesome for us because <laughs> yeah. we still kind of sort of get what we want sure I mean, I mean we may eventually go back to Black Star I just didn't want to do it right after he passed we'll see in the next year or so if we want to come back we around to it we have time per our rules yes per yes. our rules that's true um all right. Well, I will uh, give a teaser for what we're doing next week. Well, then we'll go to Katie, and then we'll call it a day. Um, so next week, I'm actually bringing an album I'd forgotten and then remembered when I found it again. Because I reminded you that you remembered something but forgot about it. Exactly. You guys Follow along at home. It's um, the latest album from Iggy Pop um, called Post Pop Depression, and I was interested in it because it's Iggy Pop with some very awesome musicians backing him up. It's produced and also featuring in the band lineup Josh Homme from Eagles of Death Metal, Them Crooked Vultures, and Queens of the Stone Age, just to name a few bands he's in. His bandmate from Queens of the Stone Age, Dean Fertitta, is how I believe it's pronounced. I could be wrong. It's F-E-R-T-I-T-A. And then the drummer from Arctic Monkeys, Matt Helder, is also in this project. So... Bringing us back to the Arctic Monkeys again, we kind of always find our way back to them somehow. And I love the Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, we, I really, they're like, they're, they're, I'm if, a big fan. If they suck, Matthew, I would I like still too. consider them great. Um, but I'm interested because um, Josh and Iggy have been doing a press tour together. They apparently have become pretty close. And Josh also produced this record. And so I know he produces the Queens of the Stone Age stuff. I'm pretty sure he produces a lot of the stuff he works on. So I'm interested to hear this. Also, a title like post-pop depression. How can we not From review Iggy that? Pop. You know? I just, so good. I just remembered Scott Walker. Yes. Also recently passed? Oh, I don't know. Anyone? I'm not sure. Bueller? Bueller? Um, uh, I believe that was the other artist that the um, that Last Shadow Puppets was supposed to be. Um, not, not Lemmy? Not, not Lemmy, no. Nobody's honoring Scott Lemmy, Walker. apparently. Oh, um... But yeah, so I'm excited to take that on because I'm a fan of Iggy Pop, but only at the very surface level. Like, I like his singles. I'm not a huge follower of his career, so I'm curious to get into a new release by him. Go watch Rock and Rule, the animated uh, rock musical starring Iggy Pop. That's actually a really great. Fire, Dietrich, and Debbie Harry. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting watch. As we're wrapping up, um, Katie, why don't you give us some plugs for stuff that you're working on? Cool. Um, Mostly it's uh, it's actually upcoming projects. so first of all, you can check out, there's an upcoming podcast and YouTube series, which will be uh, starring both myself and the lovely Robert, uh, which we are starting a web series called Space Bar, which is a 
grouping of audio and videos educating you about the classic origins of cocktails, cocktail culture, and how to properly create the perfect version of these classics and kind of the 10 or so classics that you should know. Actually, I recently made a very strong Long Island iced tea and did not realize how watered down bar Long Island iced teas are. Don't ever order Long Island iced teas. Yeah. Don't do it. Mm. It's just, no. Immediately you alert the bartender. It's actually like, let me small tip like this. If you go into a bar and you order a Long Island iced tea, you are marked by the bartender that you are going to be a problem. Okay. And that's just, a, it's, wow. a, it's a thing a thing to know. Um, but uh, hopefully by the, by the second week in April, the website, the domain has been purchased. Right now there's a great little graphic there, but it is bar.space. Because space.bar was taken and we didn't want to pay for it. Of course it is. Um, but bar.space will be where it is. There's, we already have a YouTube channel, which is Spacebar on YouTube. Uh, and then there'll be a po- podcast component as well. It's going to be a whole wacky array of things with education, liquor, and getting our roommate drunk while he tastes everything. Well, um, if you ever want to have podcast hosts as guests. Well, you know, if you guys I ever want to come to I Philadelphia. I will show up for the whiskey episode. <laughs> there will, most episodes will be whiskey episodes. <laughs> So I know the first uh, the first episode will be will the first five episodes so it'll be two minute episodes as far as the YouTube series go at least will be featuring the old fashioned and the origin of the old fashioned and then oh, also that is ooh, a hell of a drink and then too. also a nerdy spin on the end of it which is our old republic which is a cocktail that we've crafted <laughs> nice um, An appropriate start I like yeah that. so as far as if you're gonna start with classic cocktails you might have start with the classic cocktail so the classic old fashioned is the first cocktail nice um, so outside of that you can also find me at beastieartings.tumblr.com I will leave it to these guys to spell it because I don't want to. Uh, which is a collection of my art, uh, which there will totally be art on that page by the time this uh, airs. Cause you got will, a couple of days. I will put art on that page, which may eventually include Crash Chords logos. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, and then if you uh, if you want to see people sexually harass me through the comments section of YouTube, uh, you can also find me at the YouTube.com, the YouTube.com, YouTube.com slash the richest uh, <laughs> to listen to me talk about 10 horrifying animal mutations you didn't know existed. Sorry, don't even watch the video. Just open the web page and immediately and scroll down to the comments. Yeah. That's it. Seri- I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you that's bring, all you need. Bring popcorn and scotch. It's, uh, it's a romp. What kind of popcorn? <laughs> Because I know what kind of scotch I'd pair with YouTube, but... I mean... What's it rated? The... The comments. The, the comments? Yeah. Uh, NC-17. The occasional NC-17? Like, occasionally, they, they get weirdly graphic and very specific, yeah. and I just... <laughs> All right, I'm pulling the escape hatch off this conversation already. My parachute is deployed. Goodbye. Um, but you guys know how it goes. Music is life, and life is good. Thanks for listening. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.